This is kind of a dark topic, but you know the oh, guy who oh, attacked Paul go. Pelosi? Oh, oh God, God, yeah. Okay. yeah. Did, you, did you see the latest thing on him? No. What's, what, the, what's, what's, the, what's the hot news, Brian? He, is, he, is, he has been in this country illegally, apparently, for a very long time because he's Canadian. Oh, so he's a undocumented Canadian immigrant? <laughs> he's a Canadian! This whole time! Maybe we should build a wall. I've been saying this. It was a joke. That's the thing is, it's like it's in their nature, right? They come, they see a bunch of land that's already occupied, and they say, that's ours. I know that because we're the same way. Naturally acquisitive Canadians with their (laughs) perverse nature. Jesus Um, Christ. I'm not wrong. Tell me I'm wrong. No. um, Smuggling hammers into our country. We can't lose the Canadian market. We've lost so many markets. (laughs) Yes, we can. There's like 12 of them. I feel like, though, that's a little bit, like, time It's like set. Lucy, Maud Montgomery, and, like, five other people. Who cares? So many worlds, but we got- Who's Lucy, Maud Montgomery? How dare you? How dare you? <laughs> the author of Anne of Green Gables? Oh, right. I should know that. I've been to Prince Edward Island. <sighs> April, uh, have you ever been a, to Canada? That's the thing they throw at you when you get to Prince Edward <laughs> Island. They just throw a copy of Anne of Green Gables at your yes. face. I have been to Canada, but I was six. Mm. So, minimal memories. What'd you do? Oh, my dad was preaching at a church. I'm sure it was lovely. and Nothing traumatic happened there, so... Oh, that's great! No that's hammer great. attacks. <laughs> It was weird. At when your dad was preaching, there was a guy at the back just like sharpening a hammer, saying, "I'm just sneaking into the yeah. states, <laughs> sharpening." So many possible worlds, but we got this one. So many possible worlds, but we got this one. Welcome to the worst of all possible worlds, the first and only podcast willing to keep its hammers sharp and ready. I'm the worst of all possible Josh's. I'm the worst of all possible AJ's. And I'm the worst of all possible Brian's. And joining us today, we have a fantastic guest. I always say fantastic guest, but it really is true. Um, you she, pick fantastic guests, you, Josh. Thank it, you, you're Brian. You're just good at this. Thank you. She's a content creator. She's got a great channel on TikTok, all about like evangelicalism, ex-evangelical, unpacking your, your history. Uh, and she co-hosts a podcast, The Delightful April of Joy. Hello, April. Hello. Thanks for having me. Before we get like into today's subject matter, uh, which is going to be even more Adventures in Odyssey. Woo! Um, but yeah, April, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you focus on in your podcast? I grew up a uh, preacher's kid, very much mm. into the mm. evangelical world. Uh, I was also an evangelist kid. So my dad was an evangelist and my grandfather was a pastor. And then my dad became a pastor oh, wow. so i had the best of or worst of both worlds depending how you look at it um, oh, yeah. i mean <laughs> you know what we would say but yeah. yes, the yes. worst of all parts <laughs> yeah so grew up through all the things purity culture nationalism probably like yeah. peak my peak evangelical moment was when i sang an original song called america say jesus on the jim baker show when oh I was my God. <laughs> yeah, that, that just gives you a clue. Stuff. Oh my God! Well, if you go into the depths of my TikTok, I actually share a clip from the show because I still have it. Hell um, yes, right? But it's like America, say Jesus, He makes our nation free. Jesus gives us life and liberty. Oh my God! I know. Oh, that is so <laughs> that good. Rules. That is so good. It's like wow. a little bit jingly, so it gets stuck in your head. But the lyrics yeah. are so cringe. I need to they rewrite, should have rewrite it. 
given the Statue of Liberty the face of Jesus. That would have <laughs> that would have changed everything. What would that have done, Brian? Can you can you expand it, on that? It would a little have bit? shown that Jesus would give us liberty first oh, of all. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, and. Uh, mm. And and other things. I want. I just want it. Okay. Sometimes I just want things. Do you know how hard it is to render a beard in copper? <laughs> <laughs> they did it for Abraham Lincoln many I, times. I guess I, that's true. I yeah. actually prefer the idea of it just being like a face in whole thing, where it's like <laughs> just the Statue of Liberty, same as. But then you just in the place where you would have her face, you just put like white Jesus in there. Oh I think yeah, be yeah, really yeah. Cool. You could like trade. You could switch it out every now and then. You could replace it with Ronald Reagan. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, April, <laughs> back to your story. You grew up in that world, hardcore. I know you like you phone bank for Seven Hundred Club, right? Yeah, well, I was a producer for oh, the wow. Seven Hundred Club, and oh, uh, you're a producer. Guilty, um, but Sweet. I did like the. Uh, I would go and interview people for like the testimonial section uh-huh. of the show, but they required you to volunteer. So it wasn't really volunteering to do the phone banks, right? Mm. Oh, um, okay. I, I had just started working there, and you can be on the set. Like they put certain people on the set, and I didn't right. know. So they're like, "Do you want to be on set?" I was like, "Uh, sure." <laughs> so I literally am on TV answering a call when this atheist called in and was like cussing me out for just can like you, can you see there. it on your face or were you doing oh, yeah. a good no, job literally of... i saw the red light go on while this dude's <laughs> oh, like no. fuck you oh, and no. wow. <laughs> like you can see on my face just like i i was not trained for this <laughs> yeah <laughs> can i ask and I, I feel free to completely disregard this but i've always sure. been fascinated by like the finances behind like stuff like this like the 700 club um was it a well-paying gig or was it like no i actually took a pay cut to work there because i was working oh, wow. in the corporate world right and they oh, offered okay. me a job it, i mean it was a slight pay cut but it, you know i was like yeah. oh i'm doing it for jesus well, that's a, that's a yeah. wage dynamic that I think all three of us are familiar with. We call yeah. it the American mm-hmm. theater. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Actually, this will be a very relevant topic as we get into this first episode. As a result of this, you also do like a podcast where you talk about like this stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And before we jump into our episode, why don't you tell us a little bit more about that as well? Sure. So in the height of the pandemic, I met a couple mm-hmm. other pastors on TikTok and we started talking like, hey, we should do something. So we started a podcast called Evangelical-ish. And it's funny, if you listen to the early episodes, we were still kind of hanging on to being evangelical. We're like, we're going to change it from within. Mm. And then at some point, like somewhere in that first year, we were like, screw it. We are not evangelicals <laughs> anymore. Yeah, yeah. We are done. Um, but we still have, have the name. But yeah, so we just we every week we record the show live on YouTube. So we live stream it on Wednesday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern. And we will do topical stuff like we did a show on hell a couple weeks ago. And then we bring in guests. And we had Kevin Max from DC Talk on. I saw that. A month ago. <laughs> Josh just messaged me about that a couple nights ago. And he's like, whoa. <laughs> I was yeah. like, oh, my God. The third most famous person from my hometown went on that podcast. <laughs> Podcast. It's, it's, it's uh, literally the top three are former president Gerald Ford, yep. Red Hot Chili Peppers lead singer Anthony Kiedis, and then number three, fucking Kevin Max of DC Talk. <laughs> number four, Josh Borman. That's right. Yes. Let's go. Yes. Grand Rapids Love represent. That. It's a good show. It's a very good show. I, I don't think the, the idea of doing something live and not cutting it after the fact is, is <laughs> horrifying to me. <laughs> I'm having anxiety just all, thinking about because, it. Because, yeah, Generally. you're all like pastors. So, like, you all are just good at getting up there, doing it live. Right. I mean, there's definitely been some bloopery things, but yeah. For, yeah. <laughs> that comes I mean, with yeah, the territory. The nature of live, of live <laughs> entertainment, right? And, yeah, yeah, I think many of our listeners come from evangelical backgrounds. And I think for, yeah. mm-hmm. for those listeners especially... 
uh, they will find a lot to chew on in your show. Absolutely. And April, what is your experience with Adventures in Odyssey? Is this something that you also grew up with? Yes, it is. I I listened to the audiobooks because I'm pretty sure they used to put them in Chick-fil-A kids mm-hmm. meals. They did. The yeah. sample tapes, yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah instead those. of toys, they would include a tape of Adventures yep. in Odyssey. It's what every kid there, wants. Wasn't yeah. there an Adventures in Odyssey cartoon? Yeah, yep. they made they made quite a few videos over time. They were very expensive. I don't think they really ever made their their budget back on those the way they mm. did with the radio show. Yeah, Brian yeah, just described it for me and it sounds like a real nightmare actually for like the people <laughs> making it, which is wild because it's only ever a nightmare for me listening to. to yeah, coming, coming back to the show and listening to a lot of episodes that are actually around the the time span of the episodes we're listening to today there are a lot of little jokes and jabs that they get in on like the cartoon and on the making of the cartoon oh, oh so it's really like some internecine sort of like yeah i think they were grumpy yeah <laughs> mm. i think i had blocked this out because when i was oh, wow, listening okay. to the episodes for this like i remembered listening to it and watching it very vaguely right uh-huh. but it was like triggering um, the, the little yeah. door oh, no. when they open the door uh, it was there was something the the wits end the, the little doorbell thing yes. the chime and yeah. Yeah. yeah that that was so it was suddenly so familiar and i don't know why it was triggering but i was <laughs> i was suddenly like a kid again yep. in an evangelical household like yep. listening to this it's funny because i don't actually have like specific memories of mm. listening to it Mm. Well, um, you do now. Yeah. <laughs> it's all coming back to me now. Oh, my there God. There were moments you... of gold. There were flashes of wit. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Jim Steinman. So, yeah, we might as well get into it um, and talk about our first episode on the list yeah. this week. This is episode 154, Coming yep. of Age. I've yep. been coming this... of age and I've been doing just God damn fine. It, AJ. Yeah, so this is a, a Phil Waller episode, of course, our boy. Of our, course. Not our boy. He's not our boy. Paul McCusker is our boy. Yeah, Paul McCusker um, is our lad, our mad lad. <laughs> <laughs> and this came out in May of 1991. So we're we're pretty healthy, healthily along. Jimmy Barkley and the whole Barkley family have appeared in a number of episodes. This one starts with Jimmy writing in his journal, which is a throwback to the very first time the Barkleys appeared in Family Vacation in like the second year of Adventures in Odyssey. And this was supposed to be his send off. This was oh. planned to be the final episode for Jimmy Barkley okay. for reasons that we'll get into in a little bit. Huh. But as I said, they, they decided to bring back the journal in a way of bookending the, the, the story saga. of Jimmy Barker. One, I've decided I'm going to be a great actor when I grow up, and all great actors should keep journals. And two, a lot of strange things have been happening to me lately, and you're the only one I can really tell them to. Strange things Ooh. are happening to him. Such mm-hmm. as uh, strange things. He is more irritated by his sister. He's finding it really hard to be around dear old dad. Dad is starting to become cringe. Yeah, th- I think this is a, a decently well acted scene here with with Chuck Bolte as as George Barkley. So, uh, what movie are you guys gonna see? Don't worry, Dad. It's rated G. I remember the rules. Uh, oh boy. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> worry, Jimmy. I just thought that uh, if it's a good one, I might watch it with you. You mean today? Sure. Hey, hey, there are the guys. Come on, come on. Dad! What? What's the matter? You're not gonna walk up with me there, are you? Well, yeah. Yeah, well, I'm based, Jimmy. I'm not a cringe. Because my friends are there. <laughs> That's all right, Jimmy. I know all your friends. We've done this a hundred times before. Remember the Dad, time... Dad, I don't want you to go. Uh, 
Well, I... I really wasn't in the mood for a movie today anyway. I think I'll just, uh... Walk around the mall for a little while. Damn. That's a pretty real moment. Yeah, like I feel like, yeah, like they, I think it's it's this is written decently enough and performed decently enough that it's like, oh yeah, this is a, a very real thing that mm-hmm. happens. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it, it's also like it really makes you on George Barkley's side, which is an amazing with the arc that we get with these three episodes specifically. <laughs> right, right. Because <laughs> because I, I you really feel for this guy. Like it is a very real experience, but also your kid is hitting puberty and he can't see a PG movie that's oh, like yeah. Yeah. a lot of the Disney canon man like come on I was allowed to watch G and PG okay. okay it was more okay. depending on what the PG movie was once right. I got older I could do PG-13 I think mm. the first PG-13 movie I was allowed to watch was Bean the Mr. Bean movie <laughs> yeah, the- you just called Bean yeah. I think it's just called Bean it's a dark we- gritty Mr. Bean reboot <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't remember why it was PG-13. I don't either. I guess there but was some butt humor or something. I don't probably. know. Sure, sure. We watched a lot of the Mr. Bean sketches, so right. they were like, we can make an exception for this. <laughs> it's okay if it's a little rude because it's British. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's totally different. We can separate it. it. It was interesting, too, because like I know in the 80s that PG meant a very different thing than it did in like the 90s, you know, like so. Yeah, but that was like early 80s because after Temple of Doom, they brought in the, the PG-13 rating. Right. Temple of Doom famously got a PG rating with all of the hearts getting pulled out of chests and everything. Yeah, and right. this episode is what? Uh, this episode this is of Odyssey 91. is 91. Yeah. So yeah. at this point, kids who aren't able to see PG movies are definitely... In the weird camp. <laughs> right, right, well, right. I mean, which is, uh, I don't understand how they could be doing this because the Barclays are a very normal family. There's nothing weird about this. <laughs> oh, yeah, they're, they're the most normal family in the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not so, a thing wrong with the Barclays. Uh, and that's really why, I guess, Jimmy, being normal and, and growing up yeah. in a normal family, um, is, is, is concerned about something that's going on with him, which he considers very abnormal. You know, his voice yeah. is starting to crack. And yeah. this was something, as you said, Brian, that they wrote into the script because the voice actor for Jimmy was going yeah. through puberty. So David Griffin and um, where I'm getting most of this information, there, there actually is some supplemental stuff from Adventures in Odyssey itself. But uh, I just want to point people to episode 49 of the podcast Growing Up Christian. They do mm-hmm. a very long interview with David Griffin, uh, and this was just a couple of years ago, where he goes into his whole history of playing Jimmy Barkley and working on Adventures in Odyssey and everything that went along and followed. So stop this podcast, uh, play a different Don't podcast, do that. and Only then come listen back. to us. <laughs> um, Evangelicalish, you have two options. That's it's right. Us that's or right. Evangelicalish. Yeah. No other podcast so, exists. Yeah, David was hired particularly because he had a very high voice, right? If you listen to Castles and Cauldrons and all that stuff, he has a really high voice. My teacher, Mrs. Adams, asked us all to start a diary so we could write down everything fun we do this summer. I think writing a diary is for girls, so I decided to write a journal instead. And when a boy's voice changes and they're working on Adventures in Odyssey, um, it's time to... You know, throw them in the Soylent Green factory and grind them up. No, they go through the no-no door. Yeah, they're they're gone. Yeah. They are mm-hmm. gone forever. Um, in most cases, sometimes they do come back. You'll see Jack Davis in, in the the third episode of this collection that we've featured here today. Mm-hmm. But it, it was like a done thing. And and the way that that David describes it is that they were doing an episode 
and his voice had been changing and so he just kept sort of getting into that higher register mm. as he would work and then one day he was supposed to shout something and his voice cracked and there was just a long silence and he just <laughs> saw the producers behind the glass like whispering to each other then they'd like turn the god mic on almost say something and then let go and then whisper something else and then turn it on again um, one of the producers described it as like he called Paul McCusker because Paul McCusker at this point was already living in England and just said so David Griffin's voice has changed. I know you're writing some episodes for Jimmy, but anyway, you just might want to pray about that. Oh my gosh. <laughs> pray about it? <laughs> for what? <laughs> I don't know, I feel like it's hormone blockers? Like what what's the outcome that he's looking right. for here? But like David Griffin is was such a good actor as far as the talent that they were getting for the show that they ended up keeping him on and 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 about a year later, they write him back into the show. They bring the Barclays back, and then they have a right. whole. Uh, he's in another like thirty episodes almost after that. But <laughs> I, I imagine that whole like something bad, something potentially difficult is happening for the show. You need to pray for this. <laughs> like you need to pray for his voice to stop changing. Like yeah, I don't. At the same I time, I April, I imagine that like that whole mentality is something that is pretty familiar to you, right? Like, oh yeah. Like, I mean, I knew people that would take it as extreme where they would ask God every morning what they should wear that day. Oh, oh yeah. Wow. Nice. Would he respond? <laughs> what? What? How did they end up determining their outfit? Like, like what was what was the deciding factor? I don't know. They probably just had a feeling. They're like, Carvine. oh, that one, that's God. Sure. That's well, definitely yes. God telling God me to wear that. the suit today. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We see a parallel to this because now all of a sudden Jimmy wants to be an actor. This is uh, not an arc that goes anywhere. Also, Jack wanted to be an actor in the episode where Edwin Blackard showed up. Right. That's all right. But we yeah. have Jimmy doing this Romeo and Juliet balcony scene that he actually did before. We will get to that episode in um, uh, sometime down the road in our episode about grief. But he, mm. he has done the balcony scene before. It was a big hit. Everyone right. laughed. And so Jimmy is doing it again. Mr. Whitaker, I just had this weird throat cold. I'm sure it'll clear up before the performance. Well, that's doubtful, Jimmy, and I think we both know you have more than a little cold. <laughs> we do? Well, for what it's worth, I thought it was cute. We don't want cute, Connie. We want funny. <laughs> not that type of funny. We want the audience laughing with us, not at us. But I don't mind, Mr. Whitaker. Really, I don't. Well, I'm sorry, Jimmy, but... I'm afraid we're going to have to get another Juliet. Oh, man. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't be in yep. the show, though. As what? A stagehand? <laughs> I was thinking more along the lines of Romeo. Romeo? Hey, that's a great idea. You'd make an excellent Romeo, Jimmy. This is so it's weird. It's not as fun as Juliet. Well, maybe not, but it's equally challenging in other ways. Woke John Avery Whitaker yeah. is trying to get our kids into drag brunches. Yeah, what is like, this? I had to rewind this to be like, wait. Yeah. He was, he was playing Juliet? Yeah. Like, why? They're progressive. And he actively wants to. And I think that's yeah. very interesting. But it is like, but then Wit's like, no, you have to be Juliet because it's funny when men in dress. That, that what funny right. thing yeah. is. Right. That, right. 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 that was the plot of the whole thing before. Is It's like, well, they do drag like they did in Shakespeare's day, but then it's a, you know, the, the crowd laughs and that's the whole thing. Which is like something that I did a ton of as, as a performer, as a child in a like choir and things like that. There would always be some sort of gag 
where one of us would get into some kind of dress yeah, or something. Yeah, boy like, walks out of a dress, yeah. This is not yeah. unusual. They're just pretending it's unusual now because it's their way of being fascists, right? Like, right, yeah. Here you can see this example where no one thinks this is weird from a fucking James Dobson radio show. Well, it, it it is weird, but like not for the reasons that they think. Like, because Wit is uh, he's Wit is he's cold as ice. Oh my god, ice cold dog. He's like he's yeah. imperious. He's basically the Josh Borman of of, of this world. He's, he has the same exacting standards for his plays that I have that, for this podcast. This is going to come yeah. back to haunt you, Josh. It's like when you recast the old host of this show and replaced him with me. Exactly. Um, yeah. We, <laughs> Ryan. We, we all remember uh, Ryan Balford. R- Ryan Balford. <laughs> yeah. Um, lost how many people go to these shows? Like, how big is this little auditorium <laughs> yeah. where they're putting these on? Anyway, That's isn't this a good like a question. cafe? What do you think? Um, yeah. Because like, I don't think, think it's canon. Yeah. It's like they call it the little theater. The but little theater. Yeah. Is it just like? In the kitchen? Where is it? Well, because I had the Wits End board game, so there's a right. big layout of Wits End. Oh, is it like Clue, where it's like the whole board game <laughs> is the? I, you know, it's kind of like that. It's not the same mechanics, but yeah, you do just sort of walk around uh, between rooms, and then once you get to each room, there's a different activity. So there's like uh, a dictionary sure. thing or charades. Charades was what you did with the little theater. Oh, right. Sure. And no, it's just like they just have a whole auditorium set up. Yeah. Like, what? What Maybe were you? a 99 seat storefront theater. Sure, <laughs> I don't know what they're. <laughs> they're on a war. They're, 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 no, they're, on, they're yeah. on a mini contract. It's a 99 seat theater. I mean, th- they sound like they have a balcony right in yeah. the scene, yeah. so it's got to be big enough to have a like a set of some yeah. sort and a stage. So, I mean, I was picturing mm. like a little black box, but I don't know why how that's attached to like a little An ice cafe. cream shop. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Or how they how they fit a, a full size presumably fly loft into a ninety nine seat theater. That's that's yeah. also unclear. And also, what was the plan here? Because yeah. Wit's just like you're gonna play Romeo, but was the original plan that Wit was going to play Romeo? Yeah, who to was gonna be Romeo? Juliet? Was reading the Romeo lines? No, that's super weird. Was it gonna yeah. be Wit as Romeo? That's if that's like. Now that's we're inching into groomer territory here, and I I have concerns. <laughs> Wait, are like, you saying there's some groomer territory in these first three episodes I that we're listening to today? I am yeah. shocked, Josh. Yeah. How dare you accuse the pillar of like <laughs> decency in the town of Odyssey of finding little girls and boys attractive? Uh, there's no text in these episodes that would prove <laughs> otherwise, is there? <laughs> oh God. But yeah, like the thing that's going on for Jimmy at this point, you know, he's got sort of this inner struggle going on because Mm -hmm. not only every um, young man's battle, he's fighting every young man's battle. Right. Because not only is he having trouble with his voice, he's also started to notice girls, specifically Connie. He's developed a bit of feelings for Connie. He's written about it in his journal. And um, then Wit uh, gives a direction to Connie uh, because she, he wants he wants Connie to read Juliet, and I heard this, and I was I was concerned. Work him hard, Connie. Remember, believability is the key. <laughs> believability. <laughs> uh, Work him hard, Connie. That is a hard. great. That is a great wit, April. That, that's a really good wit. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> uh, and yeah, and Jimmy has has really opined at this point about how much he loves Connie, and this does nothing to help his feelings. Right? No. He just he he's down bad by the end. Oh, of he's this, down this so bad, scene. dude. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, horrendous. She down, reads, down for Connie, the young Josh Borman story. <laughs> yeah. 
So Josh had a yeah. very huge crush on Connie when he I was a kid. I had a yeah. moderate crush on Connie that huge. I huge just from listening or yeah. the cartoon. Yeah, no, from listening. Just she, her she's, voice. She's not very hot in the cartoon, to be honest. No, it's more. It's more like you know. She it was the idea of Connie. It then. was the concept of Connie. Mm. That's exactly cartoon, right. Cartoon Connie is mid, actually. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he he writes in his journal a lot, and there's this little shit Artie who keeps like looking over his shoulder. Yeah. And yeah, I did not grab stuff. clips of Artie for a reason. Yeah, that was like this show can be annoying. This character was way too annoying. Yeah, um, Artie is a minor character who appeared in like four or five episodes. He's just like that weird kid who has seven siblings, and that's that's his arc. <laughs> it just felt like a side story that didn't do anything. It's kind of pointless. We we go to the commercial, of course, and when we come back, we get this amazing cue. Now, back to the adventure. It's so Triggering. Triggering. That's what that is. I'm so sorry. Can you elaborate? Can you elaborate specifically on what what was triggering about that moment? Just how delightful the music was? I was just remembering all of these... It was just a flashback to childhood yeah, of like not being allowed up to on do the back stuff. Of your neck. Yeah, yeah, like my parents were pretty strict on me too, and I was like, oh, mm. to go back there would be <laughs> awful. Yeah, we are here to re-traumatize. That is um, our goal. Wonderful. At, at, at the beginning of this one too, Chris was like, "Jimmy's been on a lot of adventures. Today he's going to go on an adventure that there's no return." <laughs> yeah, it, he, Jimmy is becoming awake to the ravages of time. Yeah. <laughs> I mean. There's there's a lot of weird stuff in this episode. Like he his sister Donna catches him shaving at one point and she's like, There's no hair on your lip. And he's like, Have you felt my upper lip lately? And I was like, I hope not. Yeah, I mean <laughs> certainly. <laughs> like, that's Jimmy, a regular thing. Feeling yeah, no, lips. That's totally yeah. normal. This thing you do with your do I have a mustache today. <laughs> <laughs> Come feel my upper lip with your lip. It's like, is this finally the incest <sighs> episode of Odyssey that we've all been waiting for? <laughs> Wait, hold, on. hold on. Hold on. Hold on. That we've all been waiting for? Yes, we collectively. Everyone in this. I'm uh-huh. not tracking down with no, me. I, no, no. I'm no not, I'm for this. not going to dig into that further. So, um, no. yeah, Wit has now at this point, Connie has worked Jimmy hard. Um, and she has done this by really throwing. <laughs> what? There yeah. we go. By really throwing it all into the Juliet, you know, uh, wherefore art thou Romeo monologue, which, by yeah. the way, just a note. She says, wherefore art thou comma Romeo? That is not what it is. It's mm-hmm. why are you Romeo? It should be wherefore art thou Romeo rather than wherefore art thou comma Romeo. That's neither here nor there. Point is, yeah, Jimmy's an odyssey. Obey the iambic pentameter. You need to understand Shakespeare. But the main point here is that Jimmy's got the feels. Jimmy's got the feels. Um, He is completely in love with Connie. He's writing his journal again, fantasizing about going to a theme park with her. And then uh, Artie, this fucking asshole little kid, shows back up again. Just continue. I did not clip. Oh, he's so (laughs) annoying. He's reading Jimmy's. He's he's also just like mean. He's a shitty, awful little child. He was probably just like me at that point. But like, that's whatever. (laughs) (laughs) And Wit then decides because Jimmy is going to be Romeo, we should cast Artie as Juliet. And at this point, I'm like, Wit. What is Wit's game here? Like what what are you what are you trying to do, Wit? What's going on? 
I, I think well, this well, Machiavellian <laughs> plan of yours. Yeah, it, I mean, here's the thing. I'm going to give Whip the benefit of the doubt and assume that Artie came up to him and was just like, give me the roll, give me the roll, give me the roll. And Whip was just like, fine, fine, take it. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. Just be Romeo. I don't care. Um, yeah. It is funny because I, I, I really found Artie to be so horrifically annoying until a moment when, like, Jimmy, like, storms off and Artie's just like, I just wanted to be hang out with you or something like that. Like, they have this one line. It's just like, he just wants validation. He just wants someone to tell him he's good. And oh, so, interesting. Yeah. Interesting. April, what do you think drives Artie? Uh, this is this is Artie chat. We're, we're pivoting to Artie, Artie chat now. Artie chat. I don't want to do Artie chat. <laughs> Too bad. Mm. We're doing it. God damn it. What do I think drives him? I think he probably deep down is questioning his beliefs in Christianity. Mm. 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 And, so, um, and it's, it's coming out. It's projecting as just being an annoying little kid. He's definitely <laughs> ex-evangelical by the time he reaches adulthood. Yeah. Artie, and come he, on has, our and podcast. he has a podcast where he's like, yeah, we, you know, I had I had seven siblings. Right, right, um, right. There was this old man who would always put me in drag. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. Totally normal. Yeah, yeah. He, 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 kept tell, he, he kept saying, if we don't work you hard, we're not working. Very pro-child labor, yeah. yeah. With distance and, 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 and by deconstructing my relationship with wit's end, mm-hmm. uh, I have now come to a better understanding of who I am. Yeah. Mm. So Jimmy storms off. He leaves his journal behind. Connie finds it, but then she just sort of puts it away for when Jimmy comes back. Jimmy's on his way out and he's like walking and he's like, oh no, my journal. Oh no. Right. Yep. And he storms back and Connie, anyway, here we go. Oh, this counter's a mess. <laughs> oh, hi, Jimmy. Uh, you didn't happen to see a uh, notebook lying right here. Did you? As a matter of fact, I did. Oh, great, Connie. Oh, I'm boy. sorry. Sorry? Yes. I didn't want you to find out how I feel about you by reading it in my journal. I wanted to tell you that that I love you. <laughs> in person. Whoa. What a swing. Well, Jimmy, I, I think you just did. Well, what do you mean? Well, I, I put a notebook of yours in the back room, but I didn't know it was your journal. What I find more interesting about this than like what actually happens here, this back and forth, is what yeah. happens next because Wit shows up. He jump scared me. He, he jumps. <laughs> Wit legitimately jump scared me. John Avery Whitaker jump scare. Because there's so much cringe in this moment. Like I actually found this to be very effective. Uh, mm-hmm. Like just the idea of oh yeah, like like the performances are so good and that astronomical pause between I love you and then Connie saying I think you just did is like yeah. devastating and yeah. I don't know when Wit enters but it seems like he just kind of appears behind Connie is like well that didn't go great and she's like oh god like it's <laughs> sidled her get out yeah. of here Wit yeah Wit exactly but yeah and there's something too about like I I there is a story that I'm deeply embarrassed of involving a, and I blocked this out until somebody the, the girl told me about this that apparently at one point I just spontaneously straight up told a girl that I loved her when I was like 16 she was like okay um, be, because like this is what you do when you're an adolescent you don't understand these emotions a lot of it is very overwhelming but but here's what happens next that I think is so interesting hmm Wit comes in and jump scares everybody. Connie says that she should go talk to Jimmy. She's like, I could go. I could go hash it out. And Wit's like, no, <laughs> I have to do this. And, yeah. and that was weird. 
It was weird, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why is this your business, right. middle-aged man? <laughs> yes. Would not the healthy thing be for the two of them to hash it out? That it way, would be. Connie can articulate what her feelings are and maybe let Jimmy down a little easy. They don't have to have this weird fucking dynamic, but and maybe this is a reach, and I'd be curious to hear what you hear, April, but like, my thought was this is being like, well, young women can't be trusted with matters like this. In some ways, I actually took it more as as an adult in those Christian circles, mm. having mm. control over kids right. and wanting yeah. to control the narrative and to control what's happening and not let them figure it out for themselves, like making sure that the input from the proper Christian adult mm-hmm. is yeah. being inserted, where instead of just letting kids figure it out, like yeah. most well, kids... Do and that, that's yeah. something that you t- you talk about a fair bit, right? Like with your, I, I've heard you talk about some of this stuff on your podcast and, and some of the content you create as well. Yeah, right? I think, uh, I mean, like indoctrination, whether people realize they're doing it or not, mm-hmm. they are making sure that kids know what the Christian belief is, or and by Christian, I mean they're very narrow, their evangelical Christian Mm -hmm. ideas of it. But yeah, it's like, oh, you're feeling this way. Well, here's how you should think about this. You know, they Mm -hmm. tell kids what to think instead of how to think. Yeah. Well, it's also it's interesting you say like the proper Christian adult because to me the proper Christian adult in this situation is George Barkley is the kid's dad. Mm -hmm. Why is this random owner of a soda shop climbing (laughs) up a tree? Well, so AJ, your first mistake is that you focused on the family. Uh, That's what I was told to do. That's what they told me to do. That's level one, man. You got to read between the lines. Yeah, so Rick goes over to this treehouse. This is the Wonder World treehouse, which is a thing for some reason. There are a lot of episodes involving this treehouse that I have spared you from AJ. She, she wonder on my world until I treehouse. Is this anything? You mean he what? Yeah. Um. So, uh, Jimmy's up there. Wit Wit climbs up to talk to him. Well, this place looks pretty good. Yeah. Well, I hope it holds up because it's where I'm going to spend the rest of my life. Oh, Jimmy. I, I know you're not going to believe me, but oh. things really oh. aren't as bad as you think they are. I don't know how they could get any worse. I'm fighting with my sister all the time. I can't really talk to my parents. My body is a wreck. I can't seem to think straight. I got mad at you, and I just made an idiot of myself in front of... Well, I'm sure she told you about it. I've never had problems like this before, Mr. Whitaker. I've never had feelings like this. I don't know what's wrong with me. I think I'm going crazy. Well, most people your age think that. Take it from me, Jimmy. But Shut you're the not fuck going up. crazy. <laughs> see... You are going through adolescence, or at least you're starting to. Ooh. What's adolescence? It's well, you're a preparing fancy for word it. for growing up. Yeah. You see, God <laughs> has planted this little organ in your brain called a pituitary gland. <laughs> and he's locked up inside it all the changes you're going through now and all the Stop. changes you ever will go through. Stop. Well, right now, your pituitary <laughs> gland is telling the other glands in your body that it's time to grow up. Nope. No, no, no. I love... I love to talk to my glands. <laughs> it's such a strange. I remember as a kid being like, "Ah, uh, I don't know. I've learned what a pituitary gland is. Cool. Yeah. Um, and, and, and the way it's that, such a strange piece of writing. Yeah. And it, it goes on and frames it up that like all of the changes you're about to go through in adolescence are locked up in your pituitary gland, which I guess 
First of all, bad news for Andy Milanakis, I guess. Poor guy. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, secondly, that's not biology. Like, what I, are you talking about? It's interesting because it's like it's almost like they they were testing words that they were allowed to use and mm. hormones didn't get out of the gate. They couldn't sure, say hormones. Sure. But they could say glands. <laughs> Which is an infinitely worse word. Glance is infinitely worse than hormones. Um, April, what were your thoughts on this 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 conversation in the treehouse between a thirteen year old boy and a sixty year old question mark man? Um, I mean, yeah. Hal Smith himself was in his seventies by this point. Ah, so older than middle age. Um, I, I thought it was weird. First, I, I always cringe anytime they're like, "Oh, this is God's." will and because mm-hmm. blah 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 like just bringing god into every God's normal gland. thing <laughs> right yeah. like atheist <laughs> kids also go through puberty puberty right, and they're not right, like right. oh it's god um <laughs> i did appreciate the attempt at science how bad it mm-hmm. it was yeah. nevertheless yeah. it's mm-hmm. like okay but yeah i just thought and he you know and he was like oh well every child goes through this take it from me I'm like you're so old. Why should he take this from you? It's been like a, it's been like a century since you, came you were of here. Age in the 1910s. What the yeah. fuck? <laughs> when you were going through puberty, everyone was still eating hardtack. <laughs> it's just that like wit has to do it because that's what wit does. But there is also an expectation in the real world, in like church scenarios, that like well, sometimes parents are not going to be preparing their right. children at all for something that right. That like Jimmy is well underway here. George could should have taken him aside, yeah, and been like, "Hey, uh, here's here's a razor. Uh, like you know, maybe start wearing deodorant. Right, like, right, you right. Are your voice is changing because you're on your way to adulthood? Notice right. how I have a low voice, and and you're getting there, boy. Um, like something, anything I, at all. And he's going. He's like in the thick of this, and just like I have no idea what's happening. Yeah, I didn't even know like what a period was until it happened to me because people just didn't talk to me about it. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Also felt like the, oh, in this gosh. conversation too, which is such a huge problem, I think, just in, with evangelical culture in general. Mm-hmm. It's just the lack of empathy for what's going on. It's more of like, oh, you'll get through this. Everybody goes through this. You know, you'll be fine. Just give it to God instead of being like, hey, Jimmy, that really sucks. Mm -hmm. You know, and just sitting there with with what Jimmy's going through, because it is hard growing up instead of, you know, trying to fix it. Be like, oh, you know, you just got to get over it. Don't be sad. It's it's fine. Instead of just being like, hey, your feelings are valid. Yeah, because his feelings for Connie are real. He's known her a long time. Mm -hmm. Like, she's she's cool. She's nice with it. Um, There there seems to be low-key nice with it. Yeah, yeah. There seems to be at least something with the Romeo and Juliet scene. Like, there's a little bit of like chemistry there. The way that it's played, they 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 absolutely have a moment. Like, we didn't play the clip, but like. There's a moment where where Juliet, uh, where where Connie as Juliet finishes the line, and again, there's something about the performance, the timing of it. In your mind's eye, you can see them sort of looking at each other like, and having oh. that moment where they like actually make eye contact and are like, "Whoa, what? Like, what's going on here?" Yeah. And that could have been something fun to play with, but again, this show doesn't do nuance. And so they just throw all of that right especially out the window. Especially Lawler. Especially yeah. for Lawler yeah. as a yeah. writer. And, and, like, and Connie's feelings don't really exist after this point. Like it doesn't matter right. what their relationship right. is going forward. And that, like that is something that actually does matter. What happens when you just blurt some shit out like right. that? <laughs> April, did you ever have an experience like that? Did you did you ever just blurt out feelings and then run away from somebody? <laughs> um, Kind of. Like in reverse though. 
Oh, it was okay. someone oh, okay. who blurted out feelings for me. Oh shit. Um, mm. I was 13 and I was like, and I, this guy that I liked, um, I wanted Ooh. to be his Valentine cause Valentine's Aww. Day was coming up. Oh, and this yeah, was yeah, at yeah. church. Like we were both like leaders in the kids church cause we had like aged out. Um, mm. and he came up to me after kids church and was like, Hey April, do you have a Valentine? I was like, no. And like my heart's pounding. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's happening. Uh-huh. And then he goes, well, would you want to be mine? Oh. And I don't know what came over me, but I went, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then I walked oh, off. No. Oh, no. Oh, no. It was awful. And I wanted to say yes. And I just oh. laughed it off like he was an idiot. And I walked away and he looked so sad. And I, I was oh. like, what did I do? What did I do? Why did I do that? Wow. Yeah, it was so weird. I have no idea what came over me. It's the first time any guy had ever like that I liked asked me something and I totally panicked. But of course, because you don't have a framework in your brain yet to process those feelings and like how to translate them into communication. Yeah, and you don't want to embarrass yourself. So then you do something that is somehow like more embarrassing and confusing. So bad. Right. So bad. Totally rejected him. Felt ter- I still honestly oh. cringe to this day. I'm like, gosh, I wish I could go back and be like, yes, I would like to do that. And I was yeah. like, oh, you're stupid. Oh, well, good news, April. He's right here. <laughs> is that our fourth consecutive episode? We've made that joke now. I He's love it. He's not going to get old. We're going to do it every time now. Every single um, time. But yeah, I mean, this, this episode then basically wraps up with again wit just sort of doing what is more or less dobson's preparing for adolescence yes uh which i i don't know april if you listen to this but i i i think it's there was also a book but i listened to the audio book um of preparing for adolescence by james dobson which was also my sex talk lovely i got to hear (laughs) james dobson explain sex to me how does james dobson explain sex very carefully. Uh, very, very straightforward, actually. Very factually, which is oh, just... Um, which is surprising, actually. Yeah, yeah. I, I think even this, like, God put the pituitary gland in you, I, that might also come from preparing for adolescence. This is another mm. one of those things where it's like, well, we might as well hit this since this, this is part of... This is one of the books that James is selling. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa. Wow. They're, they're nothing if not good at synergy, yeah. brand synergy. When I'm learning, like, basic facts about my biology, I do like to be sold products i think that's sort of Mm, like the ideal way to learn what is the sex talk like in evangelical circles is it just passing off like information like you know the dobson thing for brian or like do your parents sit you down and are like here's like the basic things that are going to happen to you like what what is that process like i guess it depends on who you ask right i learned everything about sex from chat rooms oh like like fucking Yahoo chat and shit like that, you mean? Uh, it was actually like a WWJD chat room. Oh, we even see in there. <gasps> Let's go. Oh boy. Yeah. So I, oh but I was like boy. curious because yeah. my parents yeah. hadn't told me yet. I was like 10, 11. Uh-huh. And I was sure, like, sure. I need to know this. And I didn't know what I was. I just didn't know. So that's how I yeah. learned. But then my mom did sit me down because she didn't know that I had learned all this in chat rooms. <clears throat> and mm. my mom actually told me a very, it was like my dad took my brothers, had two brothers. Yep. And he mm-hmm. told them you know, the talk. And then my mom told me and me and my brothers compared notes afterwards. And I knew what was actually sex because chat rooms. Because the chat rooms. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so my mom told me the correctly. My dad told my brothers because my brothers told me what he said was he's like, hey, you know, uh, when you get married and you want to have kids, uh, moms and dads get in a bed together and they get naked and they play with each other. They do. 
They do that do was, that. That was the talk, though. That was it? That was it. That was it. Naked in a bad play with each other. Like Yahtzee? <laughs> Not I don't unlike know. Yahtzee. That was, that was what my brothers knew, and I was like, Dad fell a little short for you guys there. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> my God. Wow. Yeah, the Dobson thing is like penis, vagina, semen sort mm. of end of story. He does right. a bit about like physical changes and like hair growing and um, sore breasts, which can also happen in men as well, even if they're not growing breasts, that happens and things like that. But of course, he focuses mainly on psychology and on feelings and belonging because he was a psychologist. And he reassures you that you will not be gay because people only choose to be gay. Right. Oh, right. Which puts him at yeah, odds with every young man's battle. Yeah. <laughs> Is that why Jimmy's chest hurts in this one? I, I actually did have a question about that because he yeah, was complaining about like his chest. Oh. focused on that quite a bit. Yeah. So, or maybe Jimmy has gynecomastia. Who knows? Uh, Josh, how did, how did you learn about the old slappy slappy? Um, I mean, it was... The old what? <laughs> Don't worry about it. How'd you learn about the old... Uh, <laughs> what? Fair enough. Um, I went to Christian schools K through 12. K through 16, actually. Um, yeah, really. For me, it was also the thing that in school, we did the thing sort of that you described, April, which is like the boys went off with one teacher, the girls went mm -hmm. off with another teacher. The two genders, of course, separated mm -hmm. into, into equal gender specific pods which would mm. capture of course the full range of gender and human sexuality grand rapids christian mm -hmm. high school actually had pods like big <laughs> no <laughs> vacuum sealed pods that is not true used humans as batteries yeah so the we first time <laughs> the first time we did this was i think in fifth grade and this was pretty basic like you're gonna start feeling some feelings and uh there are some things about your body that you need to know you won't know where you won't know when but something terrible is going so, to happen well, you're, yeah. in the room, you're like wait what but what no, no there was enough specificity there you know st stuff about how like you got a penis your penis is gonna get a little bigger your, your testicles are gonna drop you know shit like that mm -hmm. um in talking a little bit in broad strokes <laughs> strokes uh about Ooh. The fact that sex is a thing. Eighth grade, then we got the full treatment talking about how like the moment that you have sex with somebody, if it's outside the context of marriage, you're irreparably damaged. Blah, blah, no, blah. Right, right, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. That one. In the, yeah. Soul um, ties. What are soul ties? I actually don't know this. Yeah, one. I'm not sure I know this either. Oh, well, you're in for a treat. Yeah. Oh, soul boy. ties are that whoever you have sex with, whether married or not. Mm. Your yeah. soul is forever intertwined with their soul. Like you're you immortal soul? Connected. Yes. Soul ties, which is why you only want to sleep with your spouse because wow. you don't want to be permanently connected. And it's like, yeah, so if you sleep, if you have sex before marriage, you are going to be connected to that person on a very deep, intimate level forever. Right. And you will not Hellraiser. be able to give your full <laughs> self to your spouse. Oh, that's crazy. See, we didn't go quite that oh, far. Wow. Famously, there is a passage in the Gospels where people are like, hey, Jesus, if a woman's married, her husband died and his brother does the dutiful thing and marries her and then, you know, dies the next brother marries her dies the next brother marries her they say in heaven who will she be married to and jesus says no one <laughs> <laughs> nobody <laughs> that's a that's an earth thing classic jesus pissing off everybody it's great yeah 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 um, this pretty much ties together coming of age you know i feel like yeah. we've all come of age together uh it's been a beautiful yeah. time i've yeah. experienced joy in my life i am sad that now mm. my soul is permanently connected to all of you 
um, because mm. I wish I could have saved that for marriage, but it yeah. is what it is. Yeah. There's nothing quite like the soul tie of podcasting. <laughs> yeah, that's that's even stronger, I think, than actually. That's the new purity culture. That's yeah. right. You do a podcast right. with your soul is tied to them for eternity. Uh, wow, I barely knew you guys, so you know. Yeah, yeah. I guess wow. yeah. we're in this forever now. Yeah, yeah this we're in. <laughs> and so we might as well allow those soul ties to carry us through to this next episode, episode yeah. one six three, a model child. Yeah, and it's. Yeah. Very important that no one ever learns how I learned about sex. Oh, do you? Sorry, do you? Did you want to? No, no. Okay. It's very important that no one ever know how I learned. Great. He's just taking a big sip right now. He's like being really conspicuous about. Yeah, do you this. want to? Do you want to uh, fucking no, tell I'm your not, story? I'm not no, no, play it's his fine. Game. Don't ask me. I don't I'm have an amazing playing, story or I'm anything. Not it's fine. Your game. It's fine. I'm not playing your game. Good. So we move on to a model child, and uh, we open with Lord Byron. She walks in beauty like the night of cloudless climes and starry skies, and all that's best of dark and bright meet in her aspect and her eyes. This poem was written by a British nobleman named Byron. It's one of the most famous descriptions of physical beauty ever written. Unfortunately, a lot of people think that's how they have to look if they want to be beautiful. Mm. And her delivery here has some real Dr. Steve Brule energy, I feel. It's mm. very like, and that was a poem by Dr. Danny Brungus. So we find ourselves talking about, well, we, we have Melanie Jacobs and her friend, whose name doesn't matter because she appears in like three episodes. Tracy uh, Sketchum, I believe. <laughs> Tracy Needlemeyer. Okay. So, oh yes, Tracy um, Sketchum, of course, the uh, side character in the Orange Islands arc of the original Pokemon anime. So, uh, what a pull! So what? Tracy, Jesus. so so Melody and Tracy in this economy are uh, having a drinking contest. Yeah, they're, in they're, they're end. Yeah, it's because it's the most off. boring town in the history of goddamn time. Like, how <laughs> bored do you have to be to race drinking Coca Cola? Like, my God, I was really uncomfortable with the foley here of the slurp off. Like they're like, who's who can slurp harder? And I don't know. There was just something about it that just made me a little uncomfy. I don't well, know if that's well, me well, reading too much into things, but you know, I think my brain was primed from the previous episode. Anyway, so yeah. these girls see the girl Monica Winters, this girl that they are all very jealous of, walking Monica by. Winters. There she is again, huh? Through the window. Who are you looking at? Monica Winters. See, they're up front. She's wearing that blouse I was telling you about, Tracy. Wow, no kidding. Well, it's a pretty blouse. Do you know how old she is, Mr. Whitaker? Monica? Oh, 15 or 16? She's 11. You're kidding. Nope. Doesn't she look great? She's an attractive girl, but 11? <laughs> Must be the way she dresses. Uh, so th uh, I I knew I knew nothing about this episode. I just gr I remembered this one clip and I knew that this would be one to listen to today. Yeah, April, um Immediate gut check here. Uh, thoughts on Wit's feelings in this moment? Um, gross. <laughs> okay, okay. Who looks at a child and be like, that's an attractive young woman? <laughs> There's other words. Like, you can just say, like, they're beautiful or God, you know. Yeah. Whatever. Like, just like everybody is beautiful. But, oh, yeah. she's an attractive young woman. Like, ew. <laughs> Gross. He's wistful, like, <laughs> bro, but, but must also, be the way she dresses. Just, <laughs> yeah, and, and all, but also even how the relationship between the two girls and him where, where they're like, don't you think she's pretty? 
Yeah. Like, yeah. Ew, what is the, why are y'all talking about this? How I often mean, does this happen? Yeah. <laughs> the girls I can see, I understand the like jealousy. Like you see someone who's really well put together. She gets to wear makeup. She gets sure. to have clothes that you are not allowed to have. And you're just like, oh my God, she's so glamorous. I want to be her. Right. Isn't mm-hmm. she just the most beautiful creature on earth? I want to uh, do the plot of single white female to her. I want to <laughs> take her identity very slowly. What and I- then remove her from the gene pool. <laughs> that's that's actually really funny because that's actually what Tracy does. So the Monica that we see going yeah. forward is actually <laughs> Tracy. Oh, okay. This whole time. She, she disappears. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Well, Monica also disappears. We never see her again after this episode. Oh. That's, yeah. a, that's a shame. She and her mom dynamic, I think, could have built. I thought it was weird how oh, <laughs> throughout the episode they kept referring to her for the, not every time, but most of the time as her full name. Yeah, they Monica, kept saying Winters. Monica Winters. And every yeah. time they say it, it sounded like they were trying to say Monica Lewinsky. So I kept thinking, Monica I have that Lewinsky. too. <laughs> yeah, they it's predicted before. her. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's before, before that. But I, yeah. I had that exact same thought. I think it's maybe just because her name fits Eleanor Rigby for me. So it's Monica Winters. <laughs> and and so it, it's very pleasing. Like there's something about that particular like scansion mm-hmm. that like yeah, really gets yeah, the yeah, ear yeah, well. Yeah. Um, and she is also played by Beanie Feldstein, much like Monica Lewinsky. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. fascinating. Uh, no, 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 it's not Beanie Feldstein. It's another nameless child from a church who never did another episode. Oh, that show, child's but. name, Ray Liotta. There we go. Yes. Oh, we really are doing it today. Well, I I was always very tall for my age. So anytime mm. we would have like VBS or kids shirts, I would either have to wear pants or find like boy shorts to wear because regular mm-hmm. girl shorts, were like my legs were too long. And so they looked... More scandalous. Oh. And we're talking about like as oh, young wow. as 10. Yes, and by boy shorts, you mean literal shorts that like boys would wear. Boys, not boy like, shorts. Yes, yes. <laughs> like not, cargo yeah, shorts. not like the cute boy shorts, like actual <laughs> shorts in the boy section. Awesome. You were, wearing, you were wearing like the gym shorts that I was wearing in seventh grade because I was cool. Mm-hmm. 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 Yes. And then I eventually kind of turned into a bit of a, you know, they called it tomboys at the time. Right. And, and yeah, it was like, yeah. you know what? If they're going to make me, I'm just going to pretend like I love this. So I mm-hmm. would, then I would start wearing Jinkos. Do y'all remember oh, Jinkos? Yes. 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 Jinkos are back. Have you seen this? They are no, back. So they're Broadway. back. Yes. Yeah. So I was a little bit of a tomboy. So I tried to pretend like I didn't care, um, mm-hmm. I, which I kind of want to like, did purity culture do that to me? I don't know. Yeah. But yeah interesting. I was, and I grew up in Texas. So like in the mm-hmm. summertime, if I was wearing something that had exposed shoulders, I'd have mm. to wear a sweater. Right over uh, it, you know, uh, because God, God. boys, men could yep. stumble like, "Oh, you're becoming a young woman now." Right, you, you were fighting to... every young woman's battle. Uh, the young yes. men were fighting a battle of their own. God forbid mm-hmm. we try to like correct men's behavior. No, yes, actually, just... God forbids it. Okay, no, I, I just had <laughs> literally sweat throughout yeah. Texas summers, like Yeah, that must have been a nightmare. I'm curious then, like, because what what happens next here is you know Monica comes into its end to wait for her mom to pick her up and wit immediately fucking negs her would you like something to drink while you wait water soda float nothing thank you i'm on a diet a diet at your age i wouldn't look right in these clothes otherwise excuse me for saying so but i think you could stand to gain some weight nope fuck you that's gonna fix it yeah (laughs) i'm curious to hear yeah uh, also about this specific sort of dynamic well yeah i mean i was always on the skinny side as well i was Mm -hmm. tall and skinny so i was a very lanky child and Mm. every almost every adult i feel like that i ran into were like you need to push some meat on those bones yeah Um, (laughs) they say that to boys too and it's all it's just so weird to be like a child 
Yeah, Josh, you are famously quite thin because you have cystic fibrosis. That's right, Brian. <laughs> yeah, I also I also couldn't put on the weight when I was a kid, and I would get that told that all the time, and mm-hmm. it was like it it was very frustrating because like I'm trying, I'm like actively trying to put on weight, and I I I, I physically can't. To hear mm-hmm. adults say that shit to you, like your body is wrong, like you need right. to fix it because the adults are authorities in this matter. Yeah, and, and the idea of what God. their, like what their idea of healthy is so yeah. narrow because mm-hmm. they, they yeah. would, you know, critique the kids that were overweight, critique right. the kids that were underweight mm-hmm. when really we Absolutely. were probably all just healthy we just had different body types but they're right. like yeah. no, you must fit this mold but then they'll tell you like, oh it's not about looks while reinforcing yeah. oh, the yeah. idea that yeah. it actually is mm. about looks God, yes. And we will definitely get to that a bit more in this episode because that's a really weird place that it ends up landing, right? Where on the one hand, Wit has his ideal type for an 11 year old, I guess. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But also, it's not about your looks. Also, Wit peddles sugar. So he needs kids (laughs) to get as much sugar in their bodies as possible. That's right. right. I think think Jordan from uh, Brigham Young Money was just talking about this. Mm. He's just like, Salt Lake or like any place in Utah, they're always just opening some new place that does like boutique cinnamon buns or shit. And it's just like, just start serving liquor. Like people just need to start drinking at some point. Yes. Yeah, there's yes. gotta. But we do learn here that Monica, the reason she's all dressed up and so on is uh, she's doing a modeling contest for Bart Rathbone. Did your doctor put you on a diet? No, my mom thought it'd be a good idea because of the modeling contest. Contest? What modeling contest? The Young Miss Odyssey Odyssey modeling contest. contest. Sponsored exclusively by Rathbun's Electric Palace and Camera Shoppy. Here you go, girls. Have a look at my flyer. Thanks, Mr. Rathbun. Look, Mommy. 10 to 12-year-olds only. The contest for the big girls comes later in the year. So Bart Uh. is doing Frank Reynolds' little beauties. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. And he's doing it so he can sell cameras because now S.L. Clemens got sucked into a role of postcard format roll film Uh and the Clemens camera shop is gone so bart is uh, moving in it's so good so longtime <laughs> listeners of wits endless summer uh and longtime listeners of adventures and odyssey will remember bart rathbone the i don't know how would we how do we describe last him? last time we said he was turkish i think this time i'm gonna say he's circassian um he's some <laughs> kind of an ethnic he's from new york uh he talks with a shady accent yep he's played by a uh, uh, walker edmiston yes and he's just always—he's just the guy who does the bad things. He does the right. things that corrupt the culture of Odyssey in yeah. any given episode. He, and so this time he's doing child beauty pageants, right. which are definitely not a big thing in evangelical say, world yeah. at all. Yeah. Well, no. Okay. So I was baffled by this. They keep calling them beauty contests, but they're pageants, right? They're nobody yeah. refers to them as beauty contests, right? <laughs> like Is that old, that's an old school way of referring to it. But yeah, yeah. they would be pageants. Well, I think the reason that they say beauty contest as opposed to beauty pageant is uh, we actually get wit here distinguishing between the beauty contests that are good and the beauty contests that are bad. He has a specific opinion about this. A contest like this promotes all the wrong things, as if a person's physical appearance is more important than anything else. You think beauty contests are wrong? No, not all of them. (laughs) Not those that emphasize other qualities. Immediately backtrack, immediately backtrack. Beauty isn't everything. (laughs) <laughs> Isn't it? So 10-year-olds can do pageants because, like, a, a, 
not insignificant portion of the audience of Adventures right. in Odyssey is involved in the pageant that's, scene. Right. That's how they square the circle here. Because, like, right. you can't say all pageants are wrong for fear of alienating your listener base. Yeah. And, and also, Wit specifically, I just guess, he just really likes the talent portion. Like, that's, <laughs> that's what really gets him going, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Or the, the or baton the, twirling. Is, the is Q&A really... section where they answer questions. <laughs> that, that's sort of like their, that's his, that's his cup of tea. April, did you know girls who were involved in, in pageantry growing up? Yes, yeah. I did know uh, people in pageants uh, in grad school. One of my good friends actively did pageants. Uh, yeah. oh, I wow. was never a fan. Mm-hmm. I've always been, I mean, I guess I supported my friends, but I've always mm-hmm. had issues with pageants, even the ones with the Q&A and the talent. <laughs> the talent. I'm like, no, this is, this is still just a glorified beauty contest. Right, um, yeah. And, and it was weird with the, in this episode, Listening to it, I was like, I mean, I I agree. I don't think kids should be doing modeling contests, but yeah. it was just such extreme because I just I feel like they don't write nuanced characters. It's like right. you're either no. really yeah, yeah. good or you're really bad. And yes. the, the way that right. they portrayed it, you know, this was obviously before like toddlers and tiaras. And yeah. And, and how do you think culture. what do you think the judgment is on Monica herself? They definitely paint her out to be bad initially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which I'm like, this is not her fault. And that's my thing, too. Like, which shouldn't yeah. have been telling her your weight's wrong. You shouldn't be doing this. He should have gone to her parents and been like, hey, I have some concerns for your mm-hmm. daughter because she's she's you know, she can't help what her parents are telling her to right. do. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Exactly. All you're going to do is give this kid a fucking complex. Mm-hmm. And if uh, there's yeah. one it's a thing sin to have a complex, apparently, that's right, Brian. And if there's one thing we know and love from growing up evangelical it's uh, all of the fun complexes you develop and have to unpack later on in your life. Yeah, yeah. and I, I just, I also just want to be very clear. I think it's very, I think it's very healthy for kids to like experiment with how they express themselves. Like, you mm-hmm. know, if they wear makeup, if they wear certain types types of clothes, like, you know, they, they should figure that sort of stuff out. But the competition element of yes. all of this is a fucking travesty and a nightmare, and we need yeah. to stop doing it. Like, yeah, we we didn't have much pageantry. In Gallup, New Mexico, the one big thing that we had was like there there are tribal pageants. So there's like Miss Navajo Nation, oh, okay. uh, Miss Native New Mexico and stuff. And those are less built around beauty and more <laughs> are like rigorous tests on like how well you know the language. Right. And how to properly butcher a sheep. That's like a means of preserving the culture, right? Yeah. Like, but yeah. like I certainly knew a- after going to Michigan and going to Calvin, um, met a lot of people who were involved in pageants but, but growing those up people probably weren't from west michigan because the dutch uh, were a very austere people yeah, we not don't west care michigan, for that but from uh, eastern michigan and oh, ohio sure, sure um yeah but and of course yeah of course the south it seems to be a yeah. lot more pre- prevalent also of course people um, in ohio because ohio is full of fucking perverts so <laughs> uh wit goes ahead and throws the flyer for the beauty contest yeah. in the trash w- wit, where wit it belongs also doesn't if, as we know from the lore wit does not allow flyers at wit's end right Anyway, right, he does right, not allow right. anyone to advertise. Although in his he does business. make occasional very rare exceptions, but yes, that yeah. is by and large no flyer policy. Melanie, though, secretly thinks that oh, you know, this could be kind she of thinks fun. It's fun. Yeah, like um, who doesn't love getting dressed up and looking great and getting on stage? Right? So that's she, what Jimmy was just doing as Juliet. Exactly. Right. So she goes and talks to her parents. Her parents are not on board. No. But mom, why can't I enter? Don't you think I can win? It's not a question of whether you can win or not. Your father and I simply don't think it's appropriate for you to enter a modeling contest. Frankly, I don't think beauty pageants are appropriate for anyone, particularly girls your age. It emphasizes all the wrong things. 
it's such a like that phrase yeah. emphasizes all the wrong things. You're talking about her chest. But they Nailed. can't. Like, they can't. Like, yeah. They can't yeah. get that specific, though. Like and so the writing won't allow keeps that. Showing up in these two, ep- this episode right. and the next one, yeah. the wrong things, all the wrong things, emphasize these these little phrases here. Yeah, I don't think. Well, I don't think they explained why it was problematic. Mm-hmm. You know, and yeah. so if you're when you're a kid and you don't get an actual explanation that makes sense to you, then it's just going to make you want to do it more. Right. And yeah. especially because I think Melanie's parents at one point say, you belong to us. Yes. Right. So just like, Jesus. I own you, motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and the, the the episode tells us that, like, their arguments at no point are convincing. Right. What ends right. up mm-hmm. getting right. Melanie to stop wanting to do it is actually like getting to know Monica and finding out that she's unhappy. Right. right. Um, I, I want to point out just one more thing because Bart dangles this prize in front of the girls that if they win the beauty contest, they get a professional portfolio with a photographer from Chicago. It's yes. another one of those times where Bart and Chicago and <laughs> uh, maybe a strange Dutchman who is in the Midwest. Oh, for God's sake. Raring to come back to Odyssey. He's getting into the modeling business now. (laughs) Regis Blackard, it's him. (laughs) Something something that's interesting about that, too, is how it's always the association between the sort of worldly behavior in the big city. Right. Yes. The big yeah. city that's full of vice and, you know, jazz, things of that nature. There, there are no big, big cities big, in Ohio, buildings, yeah. was, just was, in Illinois. Yeah. Was this also part of your upbringing, April, like the association between big cities and vice? Uh, not so much because I grew up in Dallas. OK. So okay. I, oh, I was sure. in a big city, but we sure. were Texas. So Texas is kind of its own thing. We're like, right, God, right, right. promised land. Pretty much. Yeah, it's like Utah. It's like a very yeah, specific. Yeah. Yeah. Were, yeah. Were there strong opinions about like Austin uh, as being like sort of a bastion oh, of sin? Was, well, we didn't claim Austin. Right. We were, right, we were right. too liberal. For right. Us. Yeah, yeah. We were like Texas, God's promised land. Austin is like the Shadowlands and the Lion King. Like, you yeah, don't you must go not there, go Simba. there. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's that, um, that. one other thing I was just thinking about when Wit's explaining why he doesn't like well, yeah. some some contests are fine if they you know yeah. do other things besides beauty like that that actually is problematic too because my biggest issue with pageants even mm-hmm. ones that include talent and include interview and mm-hmm. you know whatever else is that you're still it's still a people competition you're mm-hmm. you're you're not competing based on a specific talent you're not competing based on yeah. sport or something it's literally yeah. like who is the better person yes and that yeah. is grounds to give anyone a complex because yes. if you lose yeah. you're like oh that person's just a better person than me where it's like if it's basketball like they're a better basketball player i right. can practice more how do you practice mm-hmm. more at just being a better you like a right. better yeah. human yeah. yeah and i yeah. think i think also yeah not just a better person but in this case a better girl or a better woman like the one who mm-hmm. best fits the ideals of femininity or, or fucking whatever that's and it's so yeah, subjective it, you know. too it's right. it all would depend on who are the judges and right. it's like your whole world is dependent on yeah. what three or four people say is better and that that just breeds insecurity right, right. well and perhaps unsurprisingly uh monica hasn't been doing too well as a result of all the pressure placed on her. You know, Melanie and Tracy go down to a swimming hole. They find Monica down there. Uh, She's been crying, but they convince her to go swimming with them. And then all of a sudden she's able to like be a little girl again. And it's presented as this really nice moment. And I thought it was kind of nice, right? It's like, you know, you can just, you can just hang out. The message that they're pushing in this episode and the next episode is like, 
kids have to just be able to be kids. Right. Mm-hmm. right. Except for the ones that we're going to keep on retainer as professional actors who are making <laughs> right. our show for us. Right. Uh-huh. Right. The uh-huh. moment their voice changes, we throw them in the gutter. <laughs> Out of here. Like the last episode has this whole thing with Wit being like, yeah, Jimmy, you just can't do it. Your voice is too fucked up now. We can't help you. <laughs> and it's it yeah. felt like Phil Lawler was like, arguing with David Griffin in his head and was like, here's why we have to fire you. Mm, yeah. And here they're like, well, these beauty pageants, though, they're making kids grow up too fast. Right, well, the only right. reason they didn't end up firing him is because there can only be one Jimmy in the no door at any given time. So right, yeah, they yeah. couldn't right, throw right, another right, right. Jimmy down there. Makes sense. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. yeah, so after after the girls go to the swimming hole, Dale goes over to Wit and he tells him to write an op-ed. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's it's... It's just this very strange thing that is very much like focus on the family is telling parents, hey, is there something in your community that's causing a problem? In the same way that they did with objectionable music. Mm -hmm. um, Right. They are like, hey, are you a local business owner who has an inordinate amount of power in this town? Go to your newspaper and write an op-ed about the cultural rot that is infecting your city. And you'll be able to take it down. It's such a specific plot line that could only come from Focus yes, on the Family yes. in particular. <laughs> because it also doesn't really advance the plot. I mean, it sort of no. does. But the bottom no, line no. here is that Wit has to write over the course of an afternoon to make it in by the evening edition something yeah. talking about, and I quote, the problems with contests that highlight a person's looks. That is such a strange and specific turn of phrase. I just thought it was so passive aggressive. Mm. Yeah. They're like, yeah. you're not going to go to the guy. I mean, they, they had their little interaction, but you're not going to actually go to the people that are putting it on or the right. venue that's putting it on and have a conversation with them like, I'm going to write about it in the paper. Yeah, it's just so <laughs> passive aggressive. Because later on, yeah. Bart comes back and is justifiably really pissed off at Wit for not just directly yeah. coming to him and talking about it. Yeah, that's, yeah, that scene is really, really tense. I only have the last part of it, but like Bart leverages his status as a business owner right. who takes out ads, right? Right. Well, Mr. Rathbone, if you'd like to write a rebuttal, I'll provide the space. Hey. I am no writer. I am a businessman, <laughs> one who advertises Mr. Jacobs. And if this is what I can expect in your newspaper, I guess I'll just have to withdraw my massive advertising campaign. And then the gag here is that his advertising campaign was he once took out a line in the classifieds to sell Rodney's minibike. Right. But like we know the Electric Palace is is fucking lousy with sales. They're of course they're going to be advertising in the paper. Right. It's, um, it's, it's also a weird thing where it's like. They could, again, if they were interested in exploring any of this, which they're not, they Mm -hmm. could have made this a whole thing about like the commercial pressures and how commercial pressures can bring to bear cultural change. Instead, Um, it's just a Sorkin scene where they own him with facts and logic and he runs away. Right. Right. And it feels more pointed. Like, I know that wit is against beauty contests, but it seems more like. I just kind of want to fuck over Rathbone. Like yeah, it's, it's very not. personal. It's very, it's very personal. incredibly personal. Also, the title of his article that he writes is a model example of what's wrong with modeling contests. Horrible headline. Yeah. Which, which yeah. Well, that's 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 Dale. He did the headline. That's the. It also just fault. shows like the privilege too. Of like, you don't yeah. like something that's going on. Oh, you can just write an op-ed and the paper mm-hmm. will definitely put it in and yes. give you a voice. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's it just the like king of Odyssey, you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, if you're God King of Odyssey, but also if you are a listener to this radio show where you are probably mm-hmm. comfortably middle income in a community that is probably mostly, if not exclusively, Christian, um, 
it it it's so interesting and i agree with you april like how they make these assumptions about their audience and how they yeah. then propagandize to them as a result of those assumptions yeah it's fascinating they really they never let up they show that like even when we're doing this little episode that that could just be focused in on this girl and should honestly right. because mm-hmm. it is focusing on a very real thing that a a kid listening to the show might be going through or might have a friend going through instead they have to make it about this other thing about like cultural like will yes and, and it, it probably is for people who have a friend going through it because of the yeah. way that they portray this this situation right where yeah. the yeah. girls head over to Monica's house and her mom is there and yeah. her mom is very immediately upset at the state of her daughter this for going is the swimming. Best time I've had Monica. Hi, Mom. I want you to meet. Look at you. What have you done to yourself? I, I went swimming with Melanie and Tracy. Hi. Hello. You're a mess. Your clothes are soaked. Yeah, we went. And your hair. Oh, we spent <laughs> such a long time on it this morning. It was so beautiful. What's gotten into you? I went swimming in a pond at by. I suppose everyone has seen you like this. No, I don't. You come think in and so. get changed right away. There are some very clear markers that they have here. One, right. like class. Like this is a yep. big fancy house with yep. the grandfather clock. This is a sort of waspy, rich family. Yeah, I mean, yeah. this is very like Disney villain. You know, like <laughs> slight transatlantic accent. I'm sort of picturing Cruella de Vil in my head, kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, but with the delivery of the mom from the room. It yeah, has a lot of, I got the results of my <laughs> yeah, test back. I definitely, definitely have breast, have breast cancer, cancer like, for sure. Yeah. Very black and white. This woman is yeah. pure evil. Yeah. Which, mm-hmm. like, you're, you obviously don't like her in the story. But I was also thinking, too, like, I feel like, because I think shortly after this, we'll probably talk about it, but they go yeah. to the mom and they're like, oh, could we go? They're like, yeah, no, you yeah. can't even go. Right. And I was like, actually, I think what would be the most Christian or Christ-like thing to do would be to go and support your friend who clearly mm-hmm. is in crisis and doesn't want to go, but you go to support. Right. And be right. There yeah. For her. Dale. Dale does not want his daughter to go to the beauty pageant because he has put this op-ed in the newspaper against it. So right. There's that right. like competing will. So it's about will. image. It's like, yeah. well, people mm-hmm. will see. What would people think? Yeah, that's really interesting because they don't. They don't quite play it that way. We have Monica's mom who is like, oh, I'm sure people have seen you like this. How embarrassing it is to our family. But when Dale does it, it's fine. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's also it's all about him. Right. I think like, yeah, the thing about these three episodes is that all of the male like authority Uh figures make it about them. It's never about the kids because they're possessions. They belong to these parents. And is that a thing that's I'm. I don't know if that's intrinsic to evangelical society, if that was all of y'all's experience, too, that it it felt like your parents had like an ownership over you as opposed to like your own, like sort of growing up and exploring. But I mean, it is something that comes up up so much in Odyssey. It is a question I wanted to put to all of you. Well, there was even I don't know if y'all saw this woman who went viral on Facebook a few months ago Mm. when Turning Red was released on Disney. Oh, yeah. The movie. Yeah. She wrote yeah. this whole long thing about how we should boycott Turning Red because mm. the, the movie Turning Red is about um, a 13-year-old girl who ends up going through puberty. Right. And, mm-hmm. you know, they openly talk about periods and, like, the red panda she turns into is, like, a metaphor for adolescence yeah. and your period. And all yeah, yeah, yeah. But in, the, in her Facebook post, she's literally like, this is unacceptable because children <laughs> belong to the parents but this right. movie treats them like they're their own pe- person. Mm-hmm. 
I'm like, yeah. they are their own person. Like she right. like said <laughs> yes. it out loud. But like, yeah, there's this idea that, and I'm, it's probably from James Dobson is part of the reason yeah, that it's just an evangelical yeah. culture. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're training, like there's parenting conferences where they train parents on how to raise your kids right. to also be little warriors for God. And it's mm-hmm. like you own them until you don't own them. And especially for girls, I know of a lot of talk that was like you are under your father until you are under your husband. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Oh, Jesus Christ. Can you, yeah. can you can you elaborate on that a little bit more? Well, especially in like a complementarian environment, which my family was oddly egalitarian, although which is the mm. idea that, you know, men and women are equal. Right. Yeah. Um, but my mom very much fit like the way the the dynamics of my parents' marriage was, was very complimentary. And even though they weren't like my mom mm-hmm. served my dad, my dad Ooh. had the final say. Um, but my dad was very, he was a feminist when it came to me. He was like, you can do whatever you want. Um, but he would tell me to make sure that I had like my career started before I married, because mm-hmm. once I got married, huh. if I wasn't already established, then my husband would take over. Right. It was just right. the, this idea because that's what so many in the church believed. If you marry a Christian man, they're going to want, you to submit to them um and like even in in college i i was in debate class and someone voted me most likely to win every argument with their spouse and like (laughs) i posted about it on facebook as a joke and literally the first comment was from this theo bro from my old youth group that was like uh quoted i don't know i don't remember what the verse was but it's how women should be silent and he was like, he was like, actually, you can't win any arguments oh. against your husband because as your oh. wife, as a wife, you should submit. And we're talking yeah, about a metaphorical yeah. husband. I was like 22. That's so that, I wasn't married. That and it, it verse turned, about like, uh, I permit no woman to have authority over me or whatever. Yeah, like, oh my mm-hmm, God. Yeah. yeah. Paul, but Awful. yeah, they're, they're more like Paulians uh, than Christians. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's Paul had so many complexes. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. like sometimes you're really weird fucking like, guy. This guy. This guy had some really personal things going on that he oh, put yeah, into that these thorn letters. In his side. <laughs> I want to go back yeah. in time and be like, Paul, what's the thorn? Yeah. Just between yeah. you and me. Are yeah. you gay? Is he gay? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is he gay? Because anyway, he's yeah. always going on about like, yeah, no one should have sex ever. He's mm-hmm. like, I guess you should get married if you're going to do it. But like, don't get married. Even. <laughs> like, no one should have sex ever. So <laughs> the pageant happens, right? But Monica doesn't show up for the pageant. What's going yeah. on? Well, yeah. uh, and her mom is beside herself. She can't find Monica anywhere. Right. And of course, Melanie knows where to look because Monica was crying in the woods. Right. Right. So they go to the woods mm-hmm. uh, and, and not not Monica's mom. It's it's Melanie and Mrs. Jacobs who right. go to the woods. Go away, please. Oh, we can't. Are you all right? It didn't fit. What? I didn't lose enough weight for the contest, and the dress didn't fit. Everything's ruined. The new dress your mom bought? It didn't fit. I can't go to the contest. I'll look silly in front of everyone. You won't look silly, sweetheart. I'm sure it's just a misunderstanding. But Mom bought the dress special, and I made a mess of everything. I didn't lose enough. Oh, nobody cares about that, Monica. Your parents just want to know that you're all right. Why don't you come back with us? All They'll right. Never forgive me. It's all a mess. <laughs> There's nothing to forgive. It was just a silly contest anyway. Take my hand. Come on. We'll all walk back together. Uh, I don't feel very good. We'll, we'll help you. Uh, take your other arm, Melanie. Better. She looks exhausted. Come on, Monica. See Daisy. But I don't 
feel good. Mom! Oh. Monica! Monica! Oh. Yeah, so Monica passes out, right. ends up in the hospital um, because she has been starving herself in order to fit into these these clothes for the beauty pageant that her mom put her in. I thought it was so interesting because this is normally where how an Odyssey episode like this wraps up. Like, she's in the woods, she cries, but then the two people come and find her, yeah. and they're like, okay, well, let's get you in there. And you think that's kind of how it's going to wrap up, and then that discordant chord just, like, right. hits yeah. in the background, and she passes out, and it actually goes to a much more intense place oh, that I was anticipating, very frankly. Yeah. Very, very intense for a children's show, I felt, especially a Christian yeah. children's show. Um, yeah. And... The way that they resolve this is actually fairly pat. Like Monica's mom comes in and, you know, it's like, well, where could she have gotten these ideas? And, and, uh, you know, Melody's mom owns her with facts and logic. Um, Yeah. But and then and then she goes into counseling. Right. Uh, Like the doctor tells her, like, we we, like both of you need to go into counseling. And then they even do like an extra scene after that. They're at the swimming hole and she's like, see, I've gained weight. Um, I'm doing much better. Moms and count. This is like compare this to a sort of similar episode where Kurt was dealing with his father's alcoholism. Right. And Mm -hmm. and that one's very realistic. It's like, well, you know, you can tell your friend that you'll be there for them, but you can't you can't fix everything. And that one just sort of ends with Kurt fishing and and like crying by the by the lake. This one is like, oh, no, we solved it. Right. It's going to everything is fine. When this is like this is this is a bigger issue, right? Yeah. This is eating disorders. This is a this yeah. is a parent child relationship that is really really dangerous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it's interesting too the way that this is presented. I think as being something that would be external to the experience of any good Christian family. That this is not something mm-hmm. that would happen within the listenership, right? The Jacobs yeah. family is a stand-in for the listeners. Uh, your kid is Melanie, and you, the parents, are Dale and Anne. And there might be Monica's in your life that you have to mm-hmm. help, right? And you can provide help, and maybe you can even fix their problem. But my right. question is, what if you're an evangelical kid and your parents are imperious, and they think that they're being the good parents because they're having you listen to Odyssey, but they're propagating a lot of these really dangerous behaviors? Because let's be real, that's something that happens all the time. Mm-hmm. Well, and then if you have questions or if you bring up concerns, especially in a church environment, it's like honor your father and mother. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Honor your father yeah, yeah, and mother. Right. Trust and right, obey. Right. There's no other. There's way. no other way to be happy in Jesus, for <laughs> oh, sure. God. And they, they I know AJ, you, you're getting right? a peek into like the fucking stuff that's been hard coded into our brains. It's it's fun, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, the thing is, if you put that into the mouth of like a horde of the bad guys in like a <laughs> Disney animated movie, it would sound horrifying. Yeah, yeah. all of right? these. Uh, yeah, in in Mulan, all of the Huns being like, "Trust and obey. There is no other yeah. way." Right, right, <laughs> and it's it's sort of the thing that they use a lot against communism, right? Yeah. It's sort of like, well, this is <laughs> you'll turn into like yeah. the communistic horde that yeah, all you can yeah, say yeah. is like, "Think and obey. There is no other way." And yet, that's that's a phrase that's been hard coded into into your minds for, as children. Yeah, I mean, it's that's right terrifying. there, dude. Yeah, yeah. What ends up coming out of this is not the lesson of here's how you can help your friend, which again is what we saw with Kurt and his father's alcoholism. Yeah. This is just anyway. God only cares about what's inside. Beauty isn't really the point. Don't worry about growing up too fast. 
Yeah, the message is so sloppy here. Like, like it's, it's like pageants are bad, but like not all pageants are bad. And also, yeah. kids shouldn't worry about how they look. With the minute they turn eighteen, they should absolutely do that. But right. also, the, even as kids, they should be concerned about how they look because men might take things the wrong way. You know. Right. Yeah. So it's just like because the messaging at the core of like the like the actual Christian message is so unclear. This episode is also just all over the goddamn place. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Also, because Monica's mom like had no idea what she was even doing yeah. or like going on and the minute she finds out what is actually happening to her kid like it's she's fixed. like yeah. yeah she's so sorry and she goes into therapy when yeah, really just don't worry about it the social workers and the doctors are going to handle it eventually James Dobson working at yeah. the hospital is going to be able to counsel <laughs> you un- and your child. At, at the University of Southern California Children's Medical Center in Pasadena yes. <laughs> when uh, really in, in these cases it's it's for the most part the, the mom goes okay so how can we hide it better next time mm, like I'm yeah. still going to do yeah. the thing but how do we not get caught next time and so monica is in still a very horrible position i think i mean at the end of the episode she gains weight and it's all fixed but like real life monica would not be that lucky no no no. uh yeah no i agree it's just kind of all over the place and it was hard to even point out of like this is a specific problem or this is a specific good thing because it was just kind of a nicely wrapped although i will say at least they pushed Mm -hmm. counseling Although it was yeah, probably yeah, yeah. biblical counseling, which is wah, wah, not good. Yeah, call the um, focus on the family hotline. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. They'll put you on their mailing list. Look, we got some chat rooms at www.jd.com that can really help point oh, in the gosh. right direction. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I know you're right. Like counseling oftentimes is not something that's prioritized. Uh, so I was raised Pentecostal. So we mm-hmm. didn't need counseling because oh. we had Jesus. Right. Anxiety. Sure. Just got to pray it away. Mm-hmm. Yep. Are you yep. gay? Pray that one away, too. Are you gay? No, you're not. (laughs) Surprise. Nope. (laughs) Um, Yeah, though, counseling was looked down upon. We judged people if they went to counseling. Like, Mm -hmm. oh, they just don't have enough faith for them. You know, some people just are too weak to do it on their own and give it to Jesus. They they have to go to counseling. Although it is it is maybe worth noting here that, um, you know, it's not Melanie and Melanie's mom who are going into counseling, right? Again, it's the external party. Mm-hmm. They're the ones right. going into yeah. counseling. And I feel like that's it's the two characters you will never meet again, never met before. Right. Yeah. Just yeah. bleak. Yeah. Uh, speaking of bleak, mm-hmm. when we come back, we are diving headfirst <laughs> into what I truly believe is like the worst episode of this show that we've listened to. And that is yes. saying something. <laughs> Hope you're excited, listeners. See you in a moment. This week's episode is brought to you by Austrian physicist Christian Doppler. Dr. Doppler, would you like to say a few words? Oh, we... We just missed him. So we're back. And, uh, you know, Adventures in Odyssey, some of these episodes are weirdly edited down. I think most of what we have on our like torrent of all the episodes comes from what is available on their app, which is their primary mode of delivery these days. Right. But there were like some scenes from the adolescence one with Jimmy, actually, that like they're they're just like little lines and then mm. also a couple of scenes with like more journal entries that have been cut. Mm-hmm. There's like a joke that Donna said she'd go get Ferguson the cat and he'd lick Jimmy's mustache off. Yeah. The face so I'm making a, right now is not is not a pleasant yeah. one. I don't love there that. There is a deleted scene from the the previous episode that actually shows what goes on at the beauty pageant. Oh. Um, and I was able to grab a hold of, of one of the old tapes and just, you know, uh, put it digitize it and I don't and trust grab this. it. I just I don't trust think this. it's yeah, it's <laughs> 
very nice performance, very nice and clean performance. <laughs> welcome, welcome to our legitimate show of kids. A very, very, very nice. Which one of these talented uh, entertainers who I am not attracted to at all will be no. the winner? I'm not attracted to any of them. Uh. None of them. And that's the way it is. <laughs> uh, Frank Reynolds from Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Less of a danger to children than anyone in Adventures in Odyssey. That's right, Brian. <laughs> Correct. Speaking of uh, children and dangers to them, in our next yeah. episode, we're going to learn about the dangers of uh, dressing too provocatively. This is episode yeah. 192, Modesty is the Best Policy. Gross. By our boy, Paul McCusker. <laughs> and this is this is actually uh. right after, this is two episodes after they brought back the Barclays. Right. So Jimmy, mm -hmm. you know, his voice changed and everything. The Barclays were not in another episode for a full year. Oh, wow. And now here we are a year later. And they are back. They're back, baby. Yeah. Broadway is back. Jimmy and George did a two-parter where they experienced uh, the miracle of Passover, mm. uh, which I think we'll have to get Lev back on for that one. Was that um, like a was that like a goofy movie style like father-son bonding opportunity there? Or? Yeah, but it's an imagination station thing where sure. they you know they're in ancient Egypt. I don't like adults and going into the imagination station. Can I just say that I don't it feels like weird. That. It's it kind of strange, right? Weird yeah. to me. I bet their knees end up hitting stuff. <laughs> it's too yeah. small. Yeah. It's way too small. <laughs> Actually, the imagination station does have fully adjustable seats. It's it's very similar to oh, the mechanism okay. you get in any car. You reach down, you pull the lever. You can even adjust the steering wheel. And you know mm -hmm. what? Here's the best part about the imagination station. Legs coming soon. <laughs> Let's go. Yep. So hey. uh, modesty is the best policy starts with uh, some pretty good. What I can only describe as Phoenix Wright music. Yeah. Yeah. This is a very specific music cue that becomes like a motif throughout this entire episode. <laughs> it all started one Friday evening at home when I walked into the kitchen and- Wait a minute, Tad. It didn't start in the kitchen. It didn't? <laughs> now, Donna, I distinctly remember- It started when you walked into my room, remember? What a synthesized pan flute in these yeah, episodes. Yeah, again, um, very, very Camelot software, very yes. Golden Sun, Who Mario Tennis. Who talking to? That was my so, question. Okay, yeah. There, there is God. an album. We've, we've, we've had a couple of these episodes <laughs> earlier in this series- but there is one album, I think it's just 12 episodes, I think it doesn't go beyond the, the scope of the album, where every single episode is narrated. Usually the narration is wit because wit is writing a series of short stories. Oh, that's right. That eventually okay. get made into the movie that's directed by Marty Scoresberg, um, which is that the episode where they make fun of the cartoon. But... Some of the episodes are narrated by other characters. This is the only one that is narrated by two characters at once. But they are not talking to anyone. They're talking to you. They're talking to me. Oh, nice. They're talking to the listeners of the worst of all possible worlds. So this is just, I, I, <laughs> yeah, I think it's so... I actually think this is a very cool storytelling opportunity, honestly. I think that this could mm -hmm. have been a very cool idea. Um, there's a bit that they play with where... Like they they can't decide about what the mom is doing downstairs. What Mary? Yeah, she's reading a book or she's, or she's watching, watching TV. TV. And there's a very the subtle sound cuts. Yeah, yeah. There's a very subtle sound cue if she's watching TV and she's like, no, she was reading a book. And the sound right. of the TV cuts out. And I feel like there yeah. could have been more opportunity for that over the course of the episode. But it can't because, like, fundamentally, Paul <laughs> McCusker believes the shit here. <laughs> there is only one. There's only one opinion that truly matters. There's only one yeah. narrator here yeah. whose opinion really matters, and that's George's. It is it is an interesting thing, though, because, yeah, you have the opportunity to play around 
it's like the game Call of Juarez where like different the the, the map <laughs> will change based on this the, the story that is being told. Yeah, deep um, cut. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Ultimately McCusker's not happy to go off rails. Donna. Ah, Dad, don't come in. What's wrong? I just wanted to Go away, please. I don't want you to see me. I, I just want Dad, I'll talk to you in a minute downstairs. All right already. Downstairs. Boy. And he hashes this out with Mary. George, what was all the shouting about upstairs? <laughs> you tell me. I can't figure out what's going on around here. What do you mean? Well, I walked into Donna's room and nearly got my head bit off. What was she doing? Getting dressed. Oh. That's it. <laughs> yeah, of course well, it is! <laughs> she's growing up, George. You have to be sensitive to that. Yeah, but I mean she had a slip on, honey. Well, still, she's at that age where she's a little well, bit... Shy, you know. Yeah, I know now. Ew. Uh, yeah, so, <laughs> what this is setting up is like it's an episode where it's like, well, yeah, you're growing up. You have a you have a a larger sense of privacy at right, this point. Right. And and George has not in the same way that he hasn't quite adjusted to Jimmy wanting to see a movie without him. He right. has not adjusted to the fact that he can't just walk into his children's room at any time in whatever state of undress they're in. I yeah. had not heard the word slip. In that context, <laughs> yeah. in probably two decades, it's like, oh it's, my god! I, I know it's so old timing. But in the early '90s, there was it did come back into fashion. I think it was kind of a thing in the '70s before that. Um, slip dresses, right? Mm-hmm. Just very, very kind of thin, straight line dresses right. that were fashionable. You could see a lot of celebrities wearing them around like 1992, around the time that this is coming out. Yeah. Um, and George is like, ah, she's wearing a slip, whatever. But here's the thing. This mm. is not that kind of episode. George has already had to deal with Donna growing up a little bit in a ski trip episode that we don't need to worry about here, <laughs> where Donna develops a crush on a ski instructor, et cetera, et cetera. And it's all told from George's point of view instead of Donna's because there are no women writing Adventures in Odyssey right. at this point in time. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, eventually that would change. Like, uh, we'll get Jimmy's point of view when he has a crush. We will not get Donna's point of view when she has a crush. No. <laughs> Doesn't matter. It's all yeah. about the dad. Yeah. It's about the girl dad. So George is then shocked because Donna shows up downstairs and... Ta-da! Well, what do you think? Donna? You don't like it? Oh, it's lovely, darling. George. Well, you look uh, wonderful, Donna, but uh, aren't you going to get dressed? Get dressed? I am dressed. That slip is your dress? It's not a slip. This is the dress I'm wearing tonight. Wrong. That looks like a slip. <laughs> it doesn't look like a slip to you, Mary. Wrong. Well, it, it's, it's, it's the latest fashion, Dad. All the girls dress like this now. No, not my girl. But, Dad... I don't get it. Why did you scream at me upstairs? That's what you had on. I didn't finish doing my hair. I wanted you to see the whole outfit. Well, I'd like to see the whole outfit, too, Donna. I mean, I see you, but not the outfit. Mary, help me here. <laughs> it is oh, how Mary, help me. Now. It's interesting that Mary is like, this is fine. Yeah, I I do that that delivery of Mary, help me here. That's actually a pretty funny reading. But um, wrong. I think it's a bad reading. (laughs) Donna is about to venture out into the woolly and wild uncharted territory of every young woman's battle. I was constantly taught that what I wear, which we'll get into. Yes. Mm -hmm. Later in this episode. But, you know, there are consequences to what I would wear. Mm -hmm. Not consequences for me right. specifically, <laughs> right. Um, right? For other people right. that I had to protect, um, but yeah, I remember in high school I would kind of go to the movies, but I would have a change of clothes like yes. in, a, oh. in a bag or something oh, that I would change into, and it wasn't even that like slutty or scandalous mm-hmm. or like revealing. It was just right. you know maybe like a slight crop top or um, spaghetti uh-huh. strap that was lower cut. Like, I mean, honestly, me 
my rebellious outfits were not even rebellious. The the sure. demonization of spaghetti straps yeah. in particular is that. such a pointed thing. Mm-hmm. I remember going on like world changers trips and they're like, whatever you pack, don't pack anything with spaghetti straps. Yeah, there's something oh, about yeah, the provocative <laughs> clavicle, right? We we can't be seeing it. Exposed shoulders. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Drives them wild. I remember too, I couldn't show if my bra strap was showing. That was a uh, huge right. no oh, no yeah, too. I always had yeah. to make sure <clears throat> that was covered. I don't think anyone has ever been like, oh boy, a bra strap. You know, you know who has? <laughs> Fred Stoker, the From author every of Young Every Battle. Young Man's Battle. Whenever yeah. he sees a jogger, fucking forget about it. <laughs> but this is, I mean, even if you are, even if you are scandalized by like the, the sight of a bra strap, it's something you outgrow when you turn nine or like 10. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, it, it's it's just the fact that like these grown men are, they're getting so horned about the sight of a clavicle. It's like, it, it's, it's mind boggling mm-hmm. to me. And also mm-hmm. I'm listening to this and I'm like, okay, so... A good episode of this will have George learn a lesson, which is mm. just like stay the fuck out of your kids' like business. Yeah, which is when like your kids this. are growing up. Like right. fucking deal with things that. are changing, and, and you, you gotta can't come to terms it. with that. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But I have a feeling that he's not gonna learn a lesson. No. Folks. In I, fact, what happens instead yeah, is that why. there's this big yeah. back and forth about a jacket, which I guess was an accessory piece to the dress itself, and they end up coming yeah. to a compromise where Donna can wear the dress so long as she wears the jacket over it. Well, that was the mom's idea. Um, because he said, either you wear a different dress, and Donna says she really didn't have anything else, and he said, well, then you're going to just fucking stay home then. Right. And that, right. it was also cringy, too, just the dynamic of, like, the mom was actually on Donna's side. Yeah. yeah. And but her nope. voice, like, yeah, doesn't matter. Right, because, nope, the man said no. So <laughs> they both had to be like, well, how can we make no. him happy? Right. Women just don't understand how much they're sinning most of the time right. just by being alive. Right. Thank God we have men to tell us. Thank God. <laughs> Thank God we are here right now to tell you right and wrong, April. It was very telling. Like, April, you were, you spoke earlier about uh, having to wear the, the, the sweater over your shoulders and how mm-hmm. th- it actually perfectly mirrors the yeah, beginning of this episode and having yeah. to put on the jacket and then how just horribly uncomfortable <laughs> poor Donna is when yeah. she finally goes to this event. She's also mm. fucking schwitzing, right? Like, it's too hot. The The air conditioning has not been turned up to an appropriate or cooled down to an appropriate temperature. And yep. uh, she is now fighting uh, every young woman's battle, namely the battle of should I take my jacket and that's that one too should I take my jacket off and expose my sensual shoulders Uh, and of course she's hanging out with Jack Davis yep Uh, he's a gentleman he actually had disappeared after the Elijah episode that we listened to because the actor's voice changed oh shit it's that kid and he did not come back until they I guess they thought well we're bringing back Jimmy Barkley, we might as well bring back Jack Davis. Right, too. right, right. Sure. <laughs> so he was out making Garfield for so long, you know. Yeah. So here she is at the in. party when she is finally choosing to take off her jacket. There. Well, what do you think? Wow, th- that's some dress. <laughs> hey, don't be rude. Don't mind him. Hey, don't be rude. Well, um, would you like that coke now? Yeah, it's still kind of hot in here. No kidding. Jack's a good Christian boy. Yep. 
He's he's just out there, you know, doing his like full time pizza delivery job at this point and and being a gentleman and keeping people from wolf whistling at Donna. Right. I mean, I've had moments where it's like, oh, fine, I'll just do it anyway and just mm-hmm. not tell you. And like if having that level of strict parenting mm-hmm. makes either kids that become these perfect kids that eventually snap at some right, point right or right. it makes your kids start lying to you the behavior will continue regardless it's just whether you want to be included in that or mm-hmm. not and donna goes down the path of shall we say obfuscating the truth you know mm-hmm. um, i mean how she- much wolf whistling was happening in public in the 90s like <laughs> i feel like i think it leads to a larger point about this show is that like they're deeply concerned about the sexualization of these kids mm-hmm. but they're the ones doing the sexualization of these kids so mm-hmm. it, it it's like it's like they're imagining that people are just gonna immediately wolf whistle because that's what they hear in their heads right and it's just like well mm-hmm. all men all men are like freaks like i am so they all must think that like this is the way things are and right i honestly april i i can't speak to the experience i think as much as you can but like it it just seems like this very cartoon and grotesque version of the universe that like it's like it it puts the least amount of faith in people possible well it's also it's a very it's hypersexual because Mm -hmm. they're so sexually repressed Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. you're taught that even just sexual thoughts are sin and evil So you're constantly beating yourself up and white knuckling your faith. Like, don't think about that. Don't think about that, which is. And if you're so repressed and you're not allowing yourself to actually feel and be a very natural sexual being, which is by treating it casually and normally because sexuality is a very normal part of the human experience. Right. When you're repressing it, that's how you'll get so super charged over a bra strap. Right. And that is completely a you problem. Like, I feel like. Kids, which I didn't grow up in this, but I can imagine kids that grow up in a healthy environment where sexuality is normalized and be like, hey, you know, like, don't be weird and don't sexualize people. But like, it's okay to be attracted and it's okay to have these feelings. I can't imagine that they're losing complete control over an exposed shoulder. Right, right. And and this ties in as well to what we were talking about a couple weeks ago with the Every Young Man's Battle episode where it's like. Fred freak that he is having suppressed all of his like actual impulses because he thinks that all of them are wrong cannot keep his eyes from popping out of his school when he sees a jogger and it's like you know if if you have this like primal reaction to the mere sight of part of a boob something is going on in your head and it's not normal I'm sorry but it's just it's it's not but according yeah. to George it's extremely normal because when Donna gets yeah. home, George basically goes straight into uh, the lecture from every young woman's battle about how men think. thought maybe we could talk about what happened earlier. That's OK. We don't need to. Yes, we do. See, what you and a lot of girls don't understand is that. <laughs> oh, I can't wait to hear this. The reason I didn't want you to wear that dress is because I'm a man and I know how men or boys think and. Well, a dress like that makes them look in the wrong places and, and think makes the wrong them. things. Forces them. It's not your fault, honey, but but you have to be aware of that. That's why your mother and I tried to teach you to dress modestly. Gross. Yeah. Yeah. yeah just your thoughts, please. Also, also, your mother and I, and it's like her mother was yeah, fine. Right, right. Yeah, her mother. <laughs> Don't drag me into this, George. Oh, talks like that are so triggering because I, I lived through those so many times. Mm-hmm. I was 10. 10. When oh my, my dad gave me the first talk of like modesty mm-hmm. and he he was like, you know, when you start dating, 
down the road, which I wasn't allowed to date till I was 16. My first date mm. was to see The Passion of the Christ in theaters, by the way. <gasps> oh my God, what? <laughs> That's so intense. That's so intense. So, uh, little sidebar there. Yeah, so I'm fine. I'm doing great. Yeah, I'm, I'm good, actually. It's really normal. Okay, oh, but, but hold fantastic. on. <laughs> was, it, was it a thing that, did, uh, were you like actually like actively, actively like watching the movie or was it, was it like actually romantic? Was there like no. a, Okay. No. It was a total buzzkill. You're watching yeah. at the time, like your Lord and Savior being murdered for the thoughts that you're trying not to have in the theater with their, <laughs> your day. And there's oh, that weird man. fucked up baby, too. Like, yeah, it's going to kill every mood. Yeah, yeah. Vol- yeah totally. it's Voldemort's in that movie. He just, like, floats <laughs> by holding a dead child, and it's like... <laughs> Yeah, it was not my choice. I, my dad was literally like, you can go on this date, but you have to go see The Passion of the Christ. And it, it had just come um, out. <laughs> Wait, no, hold on. No. It was your dad who forced that selection of film as well? Yes. I got asked out on a date. I was like, yes. And dad was like, mm, it's got to be Passion of the Christ. Wow. <laughs> He was making sure. I mean, well played. Yeah. Well played. Yeah. 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 No yeah. funny Fair business just Remember, at all. every time you make out, it's just like the, the whips digging into Christ's flesh. Yeah, Jesus. I can say there was no making out on that day. <laughs> <laughs> Except for one couple in the back who were undeterred. They were just yeah. completely going for it. They liked it, like, actually. Jokes on you, man. I'm into that <laughs> yeah, shit. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> Oh, man. Oh, when I was 10, back to what I was saying. Yeah. My dad told me that, um, April, guys only want one thing, and that is to get into your pants. Yeah. yeah. He literally said, it's to get into your pants. I was 10. I didn't even know what that meant. Uh. But it was, in, like, it was like grilled in my head to not only dress modestly to appease the boys so that they don't stumble because their sin was somehow my fault. Right. But yeah, also, right. I also, I had my guard up. Because I thought all of any boy or man that I met in my entire life was sexualizing me. And that gives you a complex. It's not a thing we always want. I mean, I'm just going to say that it's not it's not a thing we're like constantly thinking about. I mean, I guess some men are certainly Paul McCusker and Phil Lawler. Yeah, I would imagine. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. But like it's. It's it's really, really gross. And I just there is one point that I did want to bring up about this particular scene. George is also a little on edge because Jack took Donna home like he drove her home. Right. Right. He's like, you should have called me. And she says the line was was busy and they both say jimmy like right. at the same time and it's just jimmy i imagine That's he's jimmy up in his and room his phone he's calling sex lines philip philip he's addicted to one nine hundred numbers yeah yeah philip seymour hoffman's on the other line going fuck you fuck you fuck you fuck you fuck you just over and over and over again and then eventually adam sandler shows up and punches him in the face uh that's my punch drunk love reference for the uh for the episode donna has now learned the danger of being immodest and here's what that ends up happening is that because she fucked up because she took that jacket off and revealed her sensual shoulders all of a sudden the way that everybody perceives her begins to change she starts hearing from other girls one of them is like because you showed your shoulders my boyfriend is going to dump me and want to go out with you instead that's your fault bitch um and then there's (laughs) And the, and the show is like, yes, actually, yeah, it's like, her fault. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Correct. Jack is worried about, you know, Donna growing up too fast. 
that 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 becomes sort of the crux of this conversation, and he invites Wit into this. Don't you think Donna has grown up a lot, Mr. Whitaker? Jack, you have absolutely. Yeah. You know, I Mm-mm. think Donna's becoming a very attractive young lady. Stop. No. Don't have to say that, Mr. Whitaker. <laughs> no, you yes, don't. Don't because it's true. Uh, no. No. Yeah. No. Stop no. calling Wrong. underage girls attractive, uh, weirdo. Yeah, yeah, don't do that, guy. It's such a fucking crazy conversation to write into the show. Absolutely. Right. Like to be like, this is a normal thing that the best person in the world John Avery Whitaker is going to say <laughs> to like a 14 year old. I mean it just reminded me this is like not necessarily modesty related but mm-hmm. it kind of is. I went to a private Christian school in high school my senior year. Mm-hmm. We had uniforms so it was like you mm-hmm. know skirt polo all the things right. and yeah. apparently mm-hmm. you were only allowed to wear one set of earrings and I had I had two I have two piercings in each ear mm. and the assistant principal who I didn't think was really that creepy until he was um, mm. came up to me and like I didn't like sidled me I didn't see him and he like kind of rubbed my ear and like oh. leaned down and whispered he's like one set and I was like what like it was so creepy oh, like what he goes Jesus. you can only have one set of earrings and for Donna you know who again is seeking to continue to gain attention uh, which is unacceptable by the way women can't do that she goes shopping women be doing that obviously looking for basically something she really wants to tart it up you know she's really like hell yeah boys notice me um and and there's a really interesting little and i think you clipped it brian where she talks about how like how she wants to feel like how she's shopping for clothes because she wants to feel a certain way i guess i was caught up in the idea of being an adult of looking really cool and stylish and having people treat me differently than they did before I always thought I was plain and boring, but I started to feel accepted. That comes from her narration, of course. It's not like her sitting there and talking with Jack when she's buying the dress. But like, yeah, there's something about it that makes her feel more adult, which I think translates more to she feels in control of herself. Right. She feels respected. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And just like her own person. Yeah. Mm -hmm. People are talking to her. She she doesn't even say that anybody's being creepy to her. Of course, that one guy whistled. She's just like, yeah, she feels more like herself. Yeah. there is something to that when you finally start to discover that like you can wear clothes that make you look and feel nice, which I certainly didn't do until I was in my twenties. And then I was like, Oh, Hey, I can actually be hot, Brian. Yeah. For (laughs) me, it was the moment that I switched from like wide baggy, like little boy jeans to Mm -hmm. like slim cut jeans. I was like, Oh wow. Like I like the way this looks and feels on my body. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but women, especially young women aren't allowed to do that. Right. April. (laughs) (laughs) Oh no, 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 no. You, we are not our own people. There we go. How can you be a proper woman if you don't have a man to tell you what to do? And also it just kind of shows that they're equating being an adult with being your own person. Because yeah. they don't yeah. treat underage people and children like their own people. And so. uh, Donna is not allowed to date. Mm-hmm. It's like, wow, the Barclays are more unusual than you are led to believe. It's like only right. G-rated movies, no dating. Yeah, uh-huh. and there, there, there's something, too, to like, this is such an interesting point in the episode for me, because if they had just pulled on that thread a little bit more, mm-hmm. they could have gotten somewhere interesting. Mm-hmm. And they deliberately choose to not do that. The show thinks that's inherently a, a, a terrible thing, because you can't have thoughts before you turn 18. To the mm-hmm. point where they cannot even tell the story from her perspective. Right. She has to share the perspective with her dad. Yeah. Uh, and even that, even like when we're just having scenes with Donna, it seems almost like it's more focused on Jack a lot of mm-hmm. the time. 
Yeah. Jack, who is modeling the way I guess a good Christian boy is supposed to behave, which actually becomes very controlling of her behavior by the end. Yeah, because mm-hmm. yeah. that's what happens next is like there's more Phoenix Wright music. Donna <laughs> yeah. heads to school in her new outfit. Things are great. But then Brad, who is who is the lecherous, you know, again, we heard about him earlier, you know, don't yeah. fucking show your shoulders because my boyfriend is going to dump me guy. Yeah. Um, His name is Brad Kennedy. Never trust a Kennedy. Is That's what right. the show is espousing. <laughs> Brad doesn't show up. Instead, the girlfriend of Brad shows up, and she's like, "You're trying to steal my girlfriend, right. steal bitch. my man's." Hi, yeah. Mr. Whitaker, and leaves. But Jack, Jack, basically at this point, then along with Wit, once again try to help Donna understand that because she's dressing the way that she is, all the guys think she's a total slut. Well, and also she keeps saying several times, like all the other kids dress this way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How come all the other brads aren't breaking up for all the other girls that are dressing right. the exact same way? Right. right. Assuming so she's a reliable narrator here, which I think she is. But but here's the thing, right? The reason, and we hear this basically from Jack, is that Donna's not like the other girls. D- dating Christian guys or just having Christian <laughs> guy friends, like mm-hmm. those types of Christian guy friends was just so exhausting. I had a yeah. dude that like went out of his way to tell me that it was a red flag that I played Halo because <laughs> because women, ladies, shouldn't play violent games. That's oh. It. And then, like, a true man of God wouldn't want a woman that plays Halo. Oh. <laughs> oh. So, that sounds amazing. I, 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 I cannot spend my life with a woman who has evolved her combat. Um, <laughs> the absurdity here is that like Jack has a job. They even kind of lampshade his not being on the show for like three years uh, right. by saying, oh, yeah, well, I've just been so busy with this pizza delivery job. Right. Robin Jacobs got a job in another episode and yeah. became mm-hmm. a, a full blown business owner with full like union capitalist. troubles. Yeah. Tycoon, yes. Yeah. This is fine. This does not make kids grow up too fast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But wearing a dress. Makes you grow up too fast. Right. Right, and we can't have that. We have to preserve our childhood. Well, it's right. okay for for men, boys, yeah. to grow up faster <laughs> right. because they're going to be heads of households. You know, they yeah. need to have that yeah. training. Yeah. But girls, just sit there and look pretty. But right. like, even right. even Connie has a job. It doesn't pay her anything, but she has a job at Wit's End. <laughs> oh, that's like, like mega church volunteers. Absolutely, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, or a ministry in general. Yo, you don't need to get paid because your treasure is going to be in heaven. Right. And if you ask for money, you're being selfish or you're not really in the word enough. Like this is a this is clearly a you problem. If you're feeling burnout from this free labor that you're giving me, that's because, you know, Satan's probably leading you astray and you're giving right, into your right, flesh right. and all these things. Jack's pursuit of like getting a job, it ultimately leads towards like perpetuating the capitalist machine right like Mm -hmm. that's that's why that's okay because ultimately it will make us more money but all this women dressing the way they want to thing that's just going to lead us to have bad thoughts like it doesn't benefit us in any way yes and this was something actually that april when i listened to one of the podcast episodes you told a story about how like at a christian church camp you had like an exercise where all of the girls had to like hold pillows oh to, yeah um... so we didn't hold we didn't hold pil- hold pillows it was like the the person giving the example did it what they had us do is they had us all stand up and we would take turns like i would turn my back to whoever was sitting next to me uh-huh. and she would then hug me from behind and since my flat okay. my back was flat i could feel her chest on me 
And then we would turn around and then I would do the same thing to her. I would hug her from behind. So like my boobs were touching her back and they're like, that's what guys feel whenever you give them a frontal hug. They're thinking about your boobs. Yeah, we, we ah! all. Yeah. That's a true exercise that we went through. And I remember being traumatized because I could really you can mm. really feel it on your back because I mean, just never yeah. thought about it before. I was like, oh, gosh, they're thinking of my boobs. And then suddenly I feel guilty for hugging my guy friends, even though it was right. innocent and I was a child. I'm like, oh, I've been causing them to stumble. Oh, right, right. And it's not like, oh, watch out. Some of these guys can be like real perverts and like you need like you got to make sure that like you can protect yourself in some way it's just exactly you are hurting them mm-hmm. it's like these, <laughs> even the most godly young man mm-hmm. <sighs> at the touch of your breast <laughs> because because like if we're being honest like where's my hug guys are a real thing oh like, yeah uh-huh. and and, and yeah. that's that's an important thing to be aware of but again the onus is never on the guys for being for attempting to get hugs under false pretenses. That's why they implemented the side hug. The side hug specifically so that Uh, guys would not be touching boobs. Right. So you kiss dating goodbye, you kiss hugging goodbye. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Everything's just sort of a shoulder check after a while. I'm still like awkward. I I, Uh my my spouse actually pointed this out to me. When I hug people, like I bend Oh, you leave a little room for Jesus in the chest area? Yes. Like it's a it's a it's a habit that I've that I yeah. still ingrained that I, I didn't realize I was even doing. So now I'm trying to be more like, oh, like actually give hugs. But I remember Beecher, Beecher is my spouse. They were telling me that mm-hmm. their parents were like, she gives awful hugs. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. It's like, what? Why? <laughs> Thanks, evangelicalism. <laughs> on, the, on the flip side, you did effectively, I imagine, just, find a way to protect yourself from where's yeah. my hug, guys. So yeah. there is a silver lining, I suppose. Just totally ruined your hug game, though. Like, oh, yeah. yeah. My hug game. Yeah. yeah I was still get it? self-conscious if I come home and I see my bra strap was showing. I'm like, oh, uh, God, what have yeah, I done? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is one, like, it's seriously something I never even think about. Like, someone having their bra strap showing has never registered with me in any way. Sometimes it just happens with what you're wearing. What, what are you right. going to do? It's literally a piece of cloth. It's like seeing part of someone's sock. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I, w- well, I was, you, yeah. No, go ahead. Bro. I was going to say, you know, if a young evangelical who's very sexually repressed sees a bra strap, yeah. then they're suddenly thinking about a bra. Then they're thinking right. about breasts. Then they're thinking right. about, oh, this is a woman who has a vagina and I've got something I'd like to stick in there. <laughs> it's a slippery and slope. I also, <laughs> and I think to be fair, like, again, if we're talking about adolescence, mm-hmm. you are a raging bag of hormones. So right. there is an extent to which a guy who is, I guess, straight or, you know, whatever. Or, uh, or yeah, <laughs> it doesn't or he, matter at that age sometimes. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, exactly. Like. It is true that when there are hormones raging through you, almost anything can set you off and will set you off. Mm -hmm. But that's not exclusive to boys. Um, That's not like the fact that that happens doesn't mean that every moment is going to have to necessarily be that. Yeah. And you only develop a complex, feel like it's unnatural and then end up acting out in weird ways if you are told that that's a problem. Which it's not. It just is what it is. Right. And it's a thing you grow out of eventually and not something you harp on as a 30 something year old man writing an episode of a children's show about it. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So we get to this point. 
We get to this incredible point in the show. George Barkley just goes to wit's end for some reason. There's there's not really any reason. He's just like, hey, yeah. I'm walking into wit's end now. Hi, wit. Hi, yeah, Donna. Right. He wants, all, he he wants sees, a Wad Fam chalk sod, I think. Yeah. yeah. So he sees Donna in the new dress that she bought that's more revealing than the previous one. Hi, wit. I was just passing by and... Donna, hi. I, I didn't know whether you'd... Donna, is that a new outfit? Yeah, Dad. <laughs> Please cover yourself up and come home with me. Uh, George, before you... It's all right, Whit. It's only a domestic incident. Let's go, Donna. Fucking terrifying. Coming, Dad. It's so dark. Dem- it's like she was. It's like he found her fucking killing a cat. Like, <laughs> yeah, like a domestic incident is such a pointed like and to be, I guess. weird phrase. <laughs> like, uh, the, the first thing my mind goes to, my mind goes to, is just like he's gonna beat the shit out of this kid. Like, yeah, he's gonna dare to discipline her. Yeah. Uh, in, um, uh, and Wit would approve, obviously. Um, uh, yeah. And and it's it should be noted too that Donna tells Wit everything that's happening, and she has this uh-huh. quote that chilled me to the bone, uh, mm. which is, "I don't know why I told him. Probably for mm. s- the same reason we always tell him things because mm. we trust him. It's because it's too dangerous to talk to her father about it. Yeah. She can't express those feelings with him at all. She only because that's that is and that's again Paul McCusker like accidentally writes something very real in there because yeah, right. you, it's too fraught to broach the issue at all. You are going to have to go to someone else or go to no one else or <laughs> go to no one else or just push it down. Right. It's a, it's yeah. a perfectionist. You were talking about April earlier that just pushes down to they snap. Right. And mm-hmm. yeah. she at least has this outlet of this creepy old guy who runs a soda <laughs> shop. But like how many people don't have anything like that? And just have to hide it and lie to their parents. It's like, yeah. Just think of like how much more empowering it would have been if her dad came in, saw her in that, was like, wow, you look really beautiful. Yeah. And just was chill about it. And was like, hey, if any guys have problem, that is their fault. Yeah. Yeah. You can't control their minds. They're they're the ones being creeps. Exactly. And it's like, or even like if he had walked in on the Shannon argument just before that and he saw the abuse that his daughter was getting and stood up for her and yeah. said, that would yeah. be good writing. Yeah, yeah. Like, screw you. And it's just like, I didn't know you would get it from all sides. You don't need to be getting this from me, too. I, right. You should, you should wear what makes you happy is because, the lesson we should learn in this episode. Because right before George shows up, Shannon is fucking haranguing Donna. Right. She's like, by dressing like this, you are ruining everything for everyone. You stole my man's. How fucking dare you, basically? And she doesn't deserve any of this. Of course, she's literally just wearing clothes. It's it's (laughs) fabric. Like, um, this is a Wendy's. (laughs) I wish it were a Wendy's, honestly. (laughs) Yeah. So, of course, yeah, Donna gets chewed out. She gets home. She tries to explain like like the feeling. Right. If you didn't agree with us, I thought you'd at least give us the chance to talk it through with you. I know, Dad. I should (laughs) have. But for once, I felt like I was my own person. Well, that's kind of dumb since I dress like everybody else. No, it's no, not. So, yeah, Donna is actually stupid, and it's good that she notes that she's stupid and she calls herself stupid. That's what you have to do in this moment. Yeah, that's like, really what we call filth. For this this becomes such absolute filth, and all the goodwill that I had built up for George Barkley up until this oh. point is just. <laughs> cast to the fucking wind and then jack shows up again this part made me so mad oh yeah yeah <laughs> what, did he bring her something 
that she I yeah, yeah it's like oh you left something yeah, behind yeah you left it, something it, yeah. you know I was I was on my way and they're like you weren't on your way this is on the other side of town right. and yeah and he's like oh no right. well I was on my way because I'm going to the mall and I thought Donna might want to go with me and they're both like uh why that seems random and they're like oh well I thought you might have something to return and she's like oh yeah my dress like if I were Donna, it would have been on site. He's like, yeah. like, like, who on earth are, do you think you are, Jack? Yeah. Like, if you want to return this shirt, I'll return it. But he like comes in like this knight in shining armor. Yeah. And of course, right. the dad's like, oh, what a great idea. I'm pretty sure they're like, <laughs> like he's like shipping them. George is like about to ground her. He's not like she's not going to be allowed to go to the mall. But then Jack is like, don't worry, I will keep her under control. Yes, I will right. make sure she does what you and I want her to do, George. Oh, yeah. so gross. And then they bond over how fuckable Donna is. Yeah, let's play yeah. the clip, please, Brian. This so, is... I guess you weren't real happy with Donna's outfit. <laughs> Not really. Tell me, Jack, honestly, what did you think of it? Honestly? Uh-huh. Well, I like it a lot, but... For, for all, all the, the wrong, wrong reasons. reasons. <laughs> That's what I thought. Come ew, on. Ew, 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 The idea of, like, my dad and one of my guy friends talking about, like, you were looking at her breasts, right? And, like, um, oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Like, oh, kill me now. <laughs> she want to fuck my daughter? She, yeah, me she too. She gets her breasts from her mother. <laughs> like, it's, like, it's so oh, gross oh. and awful. Then, But, like, this is fine. Like, in this world, like, th this is fine. This People is how men this talk. is just, like, a totally fine thing. This is the respectful way, right? They don't say yeah. anything specific. It's just like, oh, it reminds me of one of those joggers that makes me crash my truck twice every right. week. And yeah. this is ultimately, I mean... <sighs> I don't know if this is too tenuous of a line to draw, but I, I think it I think it's it's relevant. You know, right after the fucking grabber by the pussy tape came out, mm. everybody was like, well, surely this will be the end of it. Yeah. There's no way that evangelical Christians can support this man after saying such crude things on record. And it's like it didn't no, move man. the needle even one point. No. Like it didn't stop anybody. <laughs> no. If anything, they just doubled down like, oh, well, everyone can be redeemed except Hillary. Yeah. She right, can, right, but Donald right. Trump can. Donald yeah. Trump, he he's just like me for real. You know, like yeah, yeah. was a baby Christian. I mean, that that that, right. that was the whole thing, and it's just like this is this is widely like assumed to be acceptable behavior yeah. clearly in this world and it's just so gross they're sexualizing her like yeah. she's doing yes. nothing she is yes. merely existing she dares to exist as a female and these christian men in her life are sexualizing her and making it a her problem yes and they make a point of of saying it's like she is not trying to tempt anyone she's not dressing this way because she thinks it's sexy her mom doesn't think it's a sexual thing they're right. just just women who have no idea how sinful they really are. Mm -hmm. Right. Jezebel spirit. And all it is is just a couple of yep, fucking yep. dresses that people see every day in the Sears catalog anyway. It's yeah. not it's not gonna be the end of the world. And and when young women and, and teenage girls and even younger are sexualized, it doesn't fucking matter what they wear at any time. Right. Oh, and right, it, right, but it right. even like goes into like marriage and adulthood. If you grow up mm -hmm. in this culture, yeah. I was in a small group. And um, it was like a, for a young married small group. So it was people mm -hmm. who were like more newlyweds. And then we split off one time and we did like a girl's brunch for the for the wives. And one mm -hmm. girl was so distraught and she was like had, had tears in her eyes and was saying how she can't go to the mall with her husband because every time they walk by Victoria's Secret, she just knows mm. that he wants them more than her. 
Oh, you're telling me that these complexes don't (sighs) just disappear the moment you get fucking married? Yeah, I'm talking like real tears. This woman thought that this was that her husband was going to leave her for a Victoria's Secret model. And like they weren't even going in the store. They were just walking by and seeing the pictures in the windows. And she was like, I just don't even understand how that's legal. (laughs) (laughs) The logistics of dating a Victoria's Secret model, like the amount of things that would have to happen for him to leave her. I, I could date a Victoria's Secret model quite easily. <laughs> well, good news, Josh. There's one right here. Hey! <laughs> it's the same guy from before. Um, yeah. Well, that's the other thing is like, what? Women don't have desire. Women are never attracted oh, to no. people. Like, right. No, we don't. That's not normal. Yeah. I, Women's pleasure. What is that? Wait right. for someone to pick you. Like, well, that's I, it. I've mm-hmm. I've been told, and we learned about this when we talked about every every x x every whatever's battle yeah um is that women um are only about 10 percent visual and 90 percent emotional these are yeah. actual statistics yeah. from the book mm-hmm. now where did these and, stats and, come and from specifically I, like it's all sound it's all sound women women right. are aroused by things they hear apparently huh and not at all by things they see <laughs> did yeah, you not that, know this that, yeah how did you not know this you're a woman uh, it's in the bible <laughs> <laughs> Wow, I've been doing it all wrong. Yeah. <laughs> it's all right. You go, right. You go, you you go into a, your eye out. You go into a cave, you hear an echo, and your brain just like explodes. It's like <laughs> uh, April. God has put a spirit of forgiveness on me uh, to let you know that that He forgives you. But like ninety wow. percent of what? You're welcome. Like of what? <laughs> like ten uh, percent uh, of what? Of I, the brain, of AJ. The brain. Of okay. the brain. That just reminds me too. Like I heard so many cases for why women shouldn't be president because they're too emotional, mm. but men can oh. and literally yeah. cannot control themselves at the sight yeah. of a shoulder. Or, yeah, or again, exactly. no, too, <laughs> or not to be too pat, but noted uh, non-emotional uh, Donald J. Trump. Uh huh. Mm. Yeah. Lord. I mean, I, I can I can speak to that experience because I'm also a man, just like Donald Trump. We are there the we same go. guy, and oh, no. I certainly have never had any emotional problems. Right. Right. Me either. Oh God, um, Brian, I'm, we can't <laughs> lose you. I'm running out of <laughs> names that rhyme with your name to replace you with. Uh, I'm normal. Uh, I'm good. I've never had emotions. The only thing Thing that I am driven by is my vices, which are purely visual in nature. Yeah, uh, I am every man, and I am fighting a battle. It's so, all it's all in me. After Jack and George bond over wanting to fuck Donna, um, Jimmy Jimmy shows up. This yeah. is a weird little like tag that they throw on the, the end of the episode. Even boys can do bad things. That's right, Brian. Hi, Dad. Hi, Jimmy. Can I borrow a couple dollars? I guess so. Why? What's what's the rush? I'm going downtown with a bunch of the guys. We're gonna get our ears pierced. What? Yeah, it's cool. Wrong. (laughs) So Jimmy's going to go faggonate his ear. Jesus. And George is like, no good heterosexual son of mine. Dad, I need to go to the hospital. I've been masturbating for four days straight. And I need need a doctor. (laughs) George leans Uh. in into Jimmy's ear and just says, no earrings. Oh, yeah. No sense. No sense. No sense. <laughs> so Phoenix Wrong. Wright music plays us out here, and that's the end of this episode. Yeah. And April, you know, to what extent does this reflect stuff that you grew up with, Christian purity culture at large, etc.? Yeah, so I think it fits the narrative perfectly. Um, there was always a double standard between me and my brothers. I was the oldest, so it was mm. probably partly because they're just parents are generally more strict on their oldest child. Um, Mm, Sure. But yeah, like my parents had very strict dating rules on me. 
did not have mm-hmm. those strict dating rules on my brothers. And I also noticed something too, that like there was a lot of freedom for my brothers to wear whatever they wanted and do what they wanted to do with the exception of doing anything that resembled femininity. Like if, right. like uh. if they wanted to, like my one of my brothers is actually gay, but didn't come out till adulthood um, after my dad yeah. had passed away. But like growing mm. up, he really liked, you know, like playing dress up with me or right. wearing a purse. And like I was cool with it. My mom was cool with it. My dad got so mad anytime right. he would see um, my brother like wearing my my play dress up heels or like if he if he ran too femininely, like it was it was just this like femininity was bad. It was OK yeah. for women, but women just weren't as good as men. Yeah. But men yeah. should mm-hmm. never God, be feminine. God just made you lesser. But men, yeah. you're making a choice to be <laughs> right. incomplete. Right. 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 Yeah. And so, also, yeah, you can't perform femininity too strongly as a woman before you get married or you become a stumbling block for your brothers in Christ. Yeah. yeah. There's really no uh, there's no way to live. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like yeah. it's just constant red tape. It's like, so I guess yeah. I should just wear a trash bag until I find a husband. But how am I right. going to find a husband? Because I'm just wearing a trash bag and I have no <laughs> yeah. personality. Because like even they would even take modesty to an extreme sometimes of like sometimes modesty is less is not even just what you wear, but yeah. how you act. And if you mm-hmm. are, you know, like drawing too much attention to yourself or smiling too much like that yeah. can make a guy think that you like them. And then right. you're like put like triggering them or or leading them on. It's like, oh, my gosh, I can't I can't live. I cannot What's live. What's interesting yeah. is this episode and the previous episode about the child beauty pageants. Uh, they use the same verse. They both draw because there are no verses in the Bible about growing up too fast. So, (laughs) in fact, every young man's battle makes the case that like you have sexual feelings when you're a teenager because you were actually supposed to be fully adult by the time you were 16. Um, This is not the line of argumentation here in Adventures in Odyssey. But they use the verse. It's about Samuel uh, when he's being you know brought up by like the temple and how he's supposed to dress sort of plainly. But he's he is God's chosen. Because people Mm. look on the outside, but God sees what is in the heart. In the child beauty pageant episode, the message there is it does not matter how you look. It does not matter what people think of you. Right. What Mm -hmm. matters is how pure and good your heart is. Right. The message of this episode is that God cares about how you look. Right. It matters what people think of you because of how you dress. <laughs> right. And both of these are aimed at girls. Like both right. of these episodes are about like this is how it is for girls, for teenage girls, for young women, for adult women across the board. You have to live pure of heart. It does not matter how you look, but it also 100 percent matters how you look. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's yeah. the same thing with just, I mean, I feel like even a lot of evangelical beliefs are just create cognitive dissonance by default because yeah. there's this yeah. idea of like, oh, mm. God has so much grace for you. It doesn't matter what you do. You can do the worst thing in the world and God mm-hmm. still loves you and will still save you. And then on the flip side, it's like, but don't do anything bad ever because you might just go to hell. Yeah. Like, right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, which surprise. one is it? <laughs> yeah. Because surprise, God actually hates you. Uh, he loves yeah. you, but he also kind of hates you. It's like, even if you're a murderer, you can go to heaven. Oh, don't, like don't... all the Jeffrey Dahmer posts. Yeah. Have y'all yeah. seen those by Christians oh, celebrating him being in heaven? Uh, yeah. Right. And and Ted Bundy, which oh. was also the same kind of thing. Both of them had the same thing. It's just like, but don't be gay though. Right. Dahmer oh, yeah. gets the exception because he killed gay people, and that's a good thing, actually. Right. I guess I don't Ugh. know. Like any kind of mild sexual thing that uh. is untoward to them 
No, that's no. hell. That's but just eating hell. people. That's fine. We can we can yeah, look, we can look past that. For more insights about purity culture and yeah. the the strange double think of evangelical Christianity, April, you got a great great podcast. Why don't you tell us about it again before we close out here? Sure. I I co-host Evangelicalish, and we do a lot of different topical stuff. We we've talked about purity culture um, several times, and it comes up. We also talk about a lot of current events. Um, and yeah, we do that on Wednesday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern on YouTube. You can just search Evangelicalish. Um, yeah, and if you want to actually know more specifically about my story and my spouse's, because my spouse recently came out as non-binary um, mm. within the last oh, year. But I mean, we've known about gender dysphoria for a long time. We just didn't know mm-hmm. about it in evangelical circles. Mm. Um, we did yeah. like a very, uh, it's like 13 episodes is the whole thing. But we tell our whole story of going oh, cool. from where I try to cast the demon out of them, quite literally, mm. to uh, accepting them now. And it's, uh, oh, wow. we could talk a lot about purity culture because it was had a big cool. effect on our marriage. Also on YouTube? Uh, that's just podcast. So it's okay. called so the non, podcast. Yeah, it's just called the non-binary okay. marriage podcast. So oh, we will put links to that in the episode notes. Go sure. down there, click on those podcasts, listen to those great shows. If you want to hear more of what we've got here at Worst of All Possible Worlds, we have a Patreon, patreon.com slash worst of all. Five bucks a month gets you access to a couple bonus episodes. And if you pay $10 a month, you get access to one more. How exciting is that? <laughs> and and just to, to close out here, uh, I thought we'd do something a little bit different from our sort okay. of normal closing monologue. April, yes. I know that you grew up in sort of this culture um, and having to go against sort of these modesty battles. So I was wondering if you could actually close us out here uh, with a message for any evangelicals, uh, women who are like dealing with this sort of thing. Sure. Um, you are your own person. There's nothing wrong with your body. Your body is itself is not sin. And my biggest piece of advice for people recovering from purity culture, especially when it comes to like sex, because there's a lot of shame around sex, yeah. is to get a vibrator. Great. Yeah. <laughs> Changed my life. Get a vibrator. <laughs> get a vibrator. Uh, I'm the worst of all possible AJs. I'm the worst of all possible Brian's. And I'm the worst of all possible Josh's. See you next week. <laughs>